Hello and welcome to Solo BG Podcast. This is episode number 43. And this is a special one because if you listen to episode number 42, like I told you, well, this was going to be a busy week because, because, because we're going to be uploading a few episodes. The one that you're going to hear tonight, it's a very special one that we recorded last week. Uh, and it's a Kickstarter preview with the Salad Brothers, uh, Brady and Adam, for their new Kickstarter Hour of Need, which is a superhero game based on their MDS engine. But anyway, if you were wondering and you're thinking, well, another game of the MDS engine from the Salad Brothers, is it the same? Is it different? All those questions are going to be answered in this episode. Now, this was a very special episode that I really enjoyed. And I want to say thank you. Thank you so much to my friend Jason from uh, Every Night is Game Night podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's Every Night is Game Night. It's a very nice podcast about, of course, board games, Kickstarters, uh, great content. You know, it's very, very uh, fun, very, uh, you know, smooth to hear. And so I, I highly recommend that podcast. Anyway, my friend Jason from Every Night is Game Night, uh, he invited me to be a part of his podcast while we, together, we were interviewing to the Salder Brothers. So this was a fusion kind of, I, I will mention during the episode, but it was like a weird fusion that we did between Solo BG Podcast and Every Night is Game Night. And anyway, the both of us, we did the interview with the Salder Brothers. We had fun. We talked about the, the game, the previous games too. We talked about mechanics, uh, future projects of the Salder Brothers. We talked about comics. We, got, we talk about life. We talk about a lot of stuff. You're really going to enjoy this episode. And if this is the first time that you're here in Solo BG Podcast, well, welcome mm -hmm. once again. And this is a podcast, like I always say, that we focus in solo and cooperative board games. We do usually a weekly episode, but in this situation, we're doing uh, three weeks, I'm sorry, four episodes in seven days because we're very, we are very busy with Kickstarter's previews that we need to announce. Next uh, uh, Thursday, we also going to have another Kickstarter that is going to be announced. And, you know, and then next weekend is the chapter three of our Halloween special. So we've been very busy, which is very good. A lot of publishers there keep sending the games, uh, you know, to play, to play for us to play it, to review it, and to record an episode about it as well. So, yeah, just a lot of good things are coming for the podcast. Check it out and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SoloBG Podcast. And well, here is for you the episode number 43, Kickstarter preview of the Hour of Need from the Sadler Brothers and the Weird Fusion, but fun at the same time with Every Night It's Game Night and SoloBG Podcast. So here is for you in 3, 2, 1... Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. 
Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Every Night is Game Night, the podcast that helps you get your head in the game. Another preview series in line, and we have these two gentlemen, designers, who have, I think, set the record for appearances at the podcast, and I'm pretty sure that they are not going to rest in their laurels. They're going to keep on coming back and coming back. But I am so happy to welcome the Sadler Brothers. Here is Adam. Welcome back to the show. Hello. And Brady leading up the rear. Brady, welcome back. I love the rear. (laughs) (laughs) It already begins. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good to have you guys back. We are chatting Hour of Need. Hour of Need is the new modular deck system game that is going to be launching on Kickstarter next month. So, of course, we had to have these gentlemen back on the show. And you guys know, if you followed my preview series, I always try to get in another person, another content creator to offer another perspective. I have reached out and I am so happy to have a debuting guest on the show. He is the host of Solo BG, a podcast, weekly (laughs) podcast-ish, somewhere around there, uh, that I like to listen to. This is Derek Rodriguez for the first time. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hey, Jason. Hi, and hi, uh, Sadler Brothers, you know. We also know each other from before, I guess. And listeners from uh, Every Night is Game Night, well, uh, thank you so much to all of you because also you allow me to be here with your friend Jason. And I'm very happy, very excited to be here to talk about the new upcoming Kickstarter from the Sadler Brothers, which is always, like I mentioned on the podcast, uh, it's always a guarantee of a good game. Uh, so I'm very excited to be here. I already, um, spoiler alert, I already played the game with uh, Brady a few weeks ago, and he knows that I had a blast playing the, the game. We play a couple of times, and uh, different stuff happened. So I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, Jason, for, for the you know for the invitation. And I guess for all of you listeners that you follow Dragon Ball, this is like a, those weird fusions between Gotham's and, and Trunks, you know, when, they, <laughs> like, when, when Go Trunks become, uh, came alive. So I guess that's the... That's this is similar to that, I guess. I would like to think that it's similar. Very powerful, very strong, but at the same time, it's going to be very fun to talk about the new Hour of Need game. I absolutely love when I can get uh, more content creators together, Derek. I hope this is not the last time we collaborate. Uh, this will be a oh, lot no, of fun. Oh no, it won't. It won't be the last one. No, it's going to be the first one of many, many, and we're going to talk about games, life, uh, love, uh, uh, as, as, you know, expensive games. Uh, love. Oh my god. <laughs> You know, this is going to be the new Dr. Phil podcast show, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but for games. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> so we are going to be t- chatting Hour of Need. So this is going to be a straight-up preview. Uh, and also, at the end, if you know our preview series, we like to throw in a little top list, uh, sometimes directly relevant to the game, like we do in fantasy games. Sometimes a little bit oddball, like we, when we did Brook City. We did all the top ac- cop action movies. And uh, Tango and Cash was disastrously named number one by (laughs) (laughs) both Adam and Brady. This time we're going to be talking about our top three comic book things. So uh, anything, characters and issues and uh, team-ups and all that kind of thing. So um, we are all comic book nerds. We spent 15 minutes before the uh, chat just talking comic book stuff. So I'm really really (laughs) looking forward to getting to that. So, all right, let us get into the Hour of Need preview. And I have one question for you guys. Adam and Brady, either of you guys can jump in and take this one first. Why am I buying the same game over and over and over again from you guys? <laughs> let me, let me uh, take the lead here. Even though I'm usually in the rear, I'll take the lead this time. But um, <laughs> So uh, the, the best way, I think, to, uh, to kind of explain it is um, – uh, the MDS, uh, it's not a set of mechanics. 
it's it's more of a um a product model and also kind of a shorthand for uh just the general setup and just the table space of a game uh, because we don't always want to say, well, this game is kind of like this previous game we did where it has these decks that you can mix and match in different ways. So MDS was meant to be a shorthand for that. Um, it wasn't mean to, it wasn't meant to say, Hey, this is, if you like street masters and you want to play the same game, but as cops by Brook city, because those games, now that they're, they're both out there, people should know by now they're vastly different games. They play a lot differently. Um, they share some similar similarities. So you, if you play Street Masters and you go to Brook City, you'll have a similar understanding of what's going on, but it's going to give you a different feel. Um, and each time we do these, we we like to elevate it in a way. We like to you know keep growing uh, the design process and streamlining certain things. So right now, our need is going to be the most streamlined and tightly designed uh, version using this product mm-hmm. model. MDS. Um, so if you want, if you've always been curious about Street Masters or Brook City or Alter Quest, um, and the superhero theme is your cup of tea, then this is definitely the game for you. If you like those previous games and they give you a good understanding about the MDS, then this game is going to give you a totally different experience. It's all superhero action, climactic, swingy battles, and everything. So, um, and we'll get more into details, obviously, but it is for lack of a better uh, term, a different game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, to, su- to summarize all what Brady just said, uh, we don't release the same game in different themes. Like uh, When we Brady's talking about the modular deck system, the MDS is what we tag a lot of our games as. Um, it, it is basically the thing that this shares is modular decks of cards, and it uses similar... Some of them use the same dice. That's pretty much the similarities. Oh, there's miniatures too. So <laughs> that's, good. that's good that you, you guys always bring those miniatures and i i will before i ask uh you know my first question i would like to share uh, the experience that i had that i i posted recently on the social media as well that i had the opportunity to play this game uh with you brady probably about three weeks ago we had a nice breakfast and then we played the game yep. um you guys having breakfast together i gotta oh, move to yeah. indiana this is this yeah, is terrible yeah, i don't have it. Yeah, I don't we breakfast with anybody I, out here. I forget what you had, but I had this like amazing. It was some kind of like European style biscuits and gravy mixed with like a uh, eggs Benedict dish or something. I forget what it was, but it was it was amazing. And what? yeah, oh, I got the on. I got the uh, the egg Benedicts actually. And yeah, you know, was... you know, it, it's always good to to have some fancy breakfast. You know, very European before before <laughs> we start to kick some butt uh, with a superhero. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, what I was saying is that. Uh, going back to Jason's question, um, if this is my. I will share this uh, this answer as a player because I, I mean, you know, I always say that the reviewers is very subjective to what uh, each of us like and don't like. Uh, but I will I will share my experience as a, as a gamer. Um, you know, you know, guys, that I love Street Masters. You know, and actually, I name it on the podcast uh, last year, 2018, the the king of the games, the number one of this of 2018 is Street Masters. Uh, and then Brook City. I don't own Brook City, but I have played it with you know with different friends a few already a few times. And uh, you know so far everything is great. Works very different than Street Master, like you mentioned. But this game, The Hour of Need, is definitely definitely a different game. It could feel it could feel on the what you you guys mentioned about the uh, the MDS system that you could feel like well you know it has the same system, but that doesn't mean that it's the same game. And I'm telling you by experience. When I played this game with Brady, I had a total different experience than the other games. First of all, the theme. The theme is very immersive, and like they say, if, if superheroes is your cup of tea, you will really enjoy it. You all know that superheroes is my cup of tea, 
and I loved it. And then the, the different mechanics that, of course, we're going to talk about, the schemes and all the stuff and how the miniatures, they will move around the board, how uh, the cards that you're going to be playing in order for your heroes to do better things and in order to avoid certain things, how those things work, it's completely different to the other games. And like I always say, like it's, you know, not because you are here guys talking with us, but every time that you have a, a, a Sadler last name on a game, it seems like it's a guarantee of a good game. And we, we just go we just went back to uh, Brook City and, and, and Street Masters, but even if you go to your other games from other companies, I don't know, like I can tell right now, like Heroes of Terranod or like the, the Walking Dead one, it's all the games are completely different. So I don't know what's your secret, guys, and that will be my question. <laughs> what is your secret to keep reinventing yourself with new games that even if they have the same engine, let's call it the, the MDS, it still feels different? What is your secret? How do you do to reinvent yourself and get that, that creativity of creating something new from the same system? Well, I that's think a, that, that's a good question. I'll take the lead. We need okay. to go. We need to alternate here, Brady, because yeah. we always talk over each other. <laughs> I, well, before we jump in, so, I just want to say, I just want to. It, uh, is the twin effect? Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to say, be uh, before you answer the best part, the best playtest I've had of our need was playing with Derek because we we lost. Like I think it was on turn four or five, and yeah. like I explained how we lost, and he just goes, "Set it up, play it again, set it up, play it again." <laughs> like he's ready to yeah. go. <laughs> so it's yeah, that, game, I'm gonna tell you. That's a good question. First of all, thanks for the, the kind words. Um, we definitely always do our best to make good games. But I think uh, the secret is, for us, is every time every time we are designing a game, in the middle of the design, like while we're playtesting it, and I mean, we don't want to change the design and, and set ourselves back when we're, we're on something good, but we always get new ideas. We said, let's save that for the next game. So, like, every game we work on inspires us for the next game, but also we just play... We play a lot of cooperative games. I mean, Brady buys them all the time and cycles out his collection. So we're always trying out new co-op games and, and finding out different ways that people handle different uh, ways of AI and uh, player experience and everything like that. So we take a lot of experience from the games we like to play, um, not just board games, but also video games, things we like to do in video games. How can we interpret that into a board game? So it's inspiration for lots of things and you know, mainly just learning from learning every time we do a game, learning from that experience and making the next game more more streamlined and you know just a better experience all around yeah i think the two main aspects are um i've pretty much since i've gotten into the hobby i've always been a pretty ravenous gamer like i don't whenever i have downtime you know if like instead of watching tv or something i'll usually i'll have the tv on in the background i'll be, I'll be playing some sort of game i'll either be like looking through a rule book or like just kind of digesting some sort of game so i'm constantly just flooding myself with information of other people's designs and everything and seeing what's been out there and so that's always getting my mind working but also i think that one of the key elements is adam and i only ever approach game design from a thematic standpoint where mm -hmm. like we imagine a story or a theme or something. And we try to figure out how can we make this work with a set of toys on a table. We want to like you know play with these toys in a certain way and tell this story or convey this theme. And that lends itself really well to doing things differently because you're not setting out saying, well, I want to make a deck building game. How can I do that differently? Uh, because you kind of get stuck in a rut sometimes doing that because we'll do the same iterations. Um, but we like to take things them thematically. So, for example, the MDS, we have decks of cards. That's why I don't call it like a system or an engine because the decks of cards can be interacted with so many different ways. So we like to have the cards kind of drive a lot of the theme and everything. Um, and the we 
you kind of aim for lower rules overhead, so you're mostly just referencing cards to see what they do and everything. So that's that's one of the key elements, is just kind of approaching things from a thematic standpoint from the ground up. I think that's why you guys are among my favorite designers. Not to kiss your butts or anything, which I'm sure there's a lot of that. <laughs> but well, you, guys, you guys go theme first. Work, yeah. <laughs> you guys are a theme from the inside out. Like, you know, a game like Street Bash is like, how can I replicate the idea of sliding across a, a bar and kicking it out of the face? And it's like, okay, they, and then the design comes from there. So like, that's, kind of, that's what I really enjoy about your designs. So, um, like, I, I can see that, but I can definitely see someone kind of looking from the outside going, um, you know, all these games, especially kind of, like, they're fast. Like, you guys launch Kickstarter. You guys have been on the, the pod, like, once every six months launching a game. So I think in some players' minds are thinking, how different could these possibly be? They come out really fast, and there's so many decks and all these different things, and it's the same name. So I feel like there's a lot that is playing into gamers' minds that making it think that these are the same games. And so I guess, like, how would you respond to that thing of, like, you uh, know, yeah. and I imagine in particular, like, a Redditor. <laughs> I have, like, a Redditor in my it's head going, yeah. ask him about this. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question, but the, the thing to remember, um, because it's hard to kind of, like, articulate this sometimes because we're on the back end of things so we're we're working from a design standpoint as, a, as opposed to kind of doing the marketing side where we're trying to play with the perception of everything but when it comes to game design adam and i we work in very very aggressive spurts so if we hit it like for example we we did a new game for ffg recently and we just hit it really hard and we can get a core concept locked in and fully designed prototype within like maybe a week or two so we're like we were really aggressive in that sense so we don't sit there and linger and dawdle and then try to like critique every aspect of a concept before just moving forward with it we just move forward with it so in general we're just fast at that at that concept stage now because kickstarter has a really early lead time we have to start marketing it and talking about it early on so there is that perception where it's like well this game's how they do with this game well, like honestly for like i'll give you some inside knowledge hour of need we only have the demo kit fully designed right now we don't have all the content or all the whole game like wrapped up in a bow you know so we're still working on it behind the scenes so there's that whole kind of like blurred perception about timelines we just have to plan so far in advance so so it looks like we know you know we we know six months in advance what products are going to be ready to go um so there's that aspect to it but it's also just um every design we do regardless if it's inspired by something else it's going to start from the same point we always rewrite the rule book we always start from scratch we don't like take a rule book and repurpose it or anything like that so for us design is building from the ground up no matter what we're doing no matter what we're coming from so um with those two things combined i, I can see where that perception comes into play but i guess the best way we can you know kind of counter that is just by saying well we, we always start from scratch no matter what we do <laughs> well i think another element of that is the perception like you say redditor because I, I hear stuff like this on reddit like i've read this stuff like this people's opinion of it um it's a lot of um uninformed opinions because our no, games are reddit, not no. <laughs> our games our games are not widely available yet um for example asmodee just started selling street masters base game for pre-order so that's out in mass retail now but that's that game has been out for a couple years you know our kickstarter for that was two years ago um and we only print so much we can't print like a huge print run for a kickstarter it's like okay well we'll print enough to fulfill the backers and then have a little le leftover extra but usually like street master sold out right away um and so we kind of have to rely on kickstarter for our inventory so 
we have this big run of Street Masters coming for this Aftershock Kickstarter we did, but it's not delivered yet. And so, like, a lot of people that backed it haven't even played it yet. So they don't know exactly how different it is with other, ga- other games, so they haven't played it yet. Mm-hmm. And all they're looking at is pictures of miniatures and cards, stuff like that, and they see MDS, so they just think it's the same game. Um, and I can understand someone who wouldn't look into it. That'd be their first, their first, you know, um, reaction to seeing that. Um, but you know, it's hopefully, hopefully that will kind of gradually go away as more of our games become more available and people have them to see for themselves how different they are. Yeah, I think I think the the best thing we can the most we can say really is uh you know, we're we're not salesmen, we're not trying to pawn off things to people. We're just making things that we really love and and really enjoy and hope other people will enjoy as well. So we just make things that we want to share with people. Um and we don't I mean, we take it seriously. Obviously, it's a, it's a passion of ours. Game design is just a it's like a very awesome creative outlet. But at the same time, you know, we 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 Take it. We take the approach. If we're just making games, you know, we're having fun. We're, we're they're just games. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we're never trying. We're never trying to innovate. We're, we just yeah, want to make yeah. fun games. <laughs> if, if, if we were retheming Street Masters, we would still do it for fun. And like, hey, here's. But I mean, the thing is, it's like that's the thing. It's hard to explain. Is like we we wouldn't be able to mentally just take like for example Street Masters open that up and just like reskin the cards. Like that's just tedious. We would not enjoy that at all. So I think that might be the best argument to like to present saying, well, you know, anybody could do this, but you ask anybody if if that any designer, if that would be a fun process to do. And I don't think anybody would actually enjoy that or be compelled to do it. And for the money, it's, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not enough money to make somebody go through that drudgery to do, you know? So um, it's just, that's, that's the best argument I put forth. It's like, I wish we were just retheming things. It'd be a lot easier even though it'd be tedious, but we're we're just designing from scratch every time. So, so the, first, the, okay. the first new that we have already on this show is that Street Master 2.0 is not happening. That's the first <laughs> thing. <laughs> so the, the other thing that I, w- I would like to throw um, two, two, um, two questions really quick. All right. So the first one uh, is you guys, and probably this is going to be a short answer as well. Now that we make clear, amazing listeners, once again in France, we made it clear. This game is not the same. It has the same amount of fun, or probably more, but it's not the same game. So you you should you should put attention to that. The other thing, my first question would be, uh, when you when you were talking about designing process and all the stuff, and I don't remember if I asked you this on previous podcasts, but so I hear all of a lot of controversy. You know, when when people want to start to design games and they go into blogs like, for example, one of the most famous, right, by Jamie Stegmaier. And you have all like the advices that he gives you. And then you go to different YouTube videos and different podcasts and everybody's giving you different advices. And I hear very often that designers, usually they don't go by theme. They usually go first by mechanics and stuff like that. And then they bring the theme in. My question would be, in your case, is the same or because for me, it seems like you guys go for the theme first and then make the game, which is good because for me as a player, uh, that likes uh, very thematic and immersive games. That's amazing that you go first for the theme because that told me that the theme is going to be a big thing, and because of that, the game will be very thematic. Of course, that will be my my first question. My second question will be, um, and I read this very very uh, recently also in another in another Kickstarter pick, uh, uh, successfully game. Um, how do you don't you think or what will be the 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 situation in let's say like for example you guys did a, the the successful Kickstarter of the Street Master. Then the Brook City. When Brook City came out in Kickstarter, 
I don't. I'm not sure if the uh, a lot of backers they didn't receive Street Masters uh, at some point. They're still there by that time. And then when after Brook City, Alter Quest was on Kickstarter, and some of the backers from Brook City they didn't get the games, uh, of course, with, to them. Now Alter Quest was a huge successful, uh, a pretty nice game as well. And now you are bringing us the Hour of Need. So don't you think it's a little bit also a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know if it's good or risky, I, will, I would say, uh, that each Kickstarter is very close to each other? Um, so, yeah, it's I got, I got, got the, yeah, I'll, I, the first one's very easy. Um, I can, I'll let Brady answer as well, but I don't think it's going to be any different me, than me, but definitely theme first. We, we go approach a game. What kind of theme do we want to do? And we don't even think about mechanics until we're into the game. And like, okay, if we're going to want to convey this theme, we're going to build the mechanics around how to convey this theme. That's kind of the way we approach game design. I mean, yeah, right, Brady? I think I would add to that is, like, as far as mechanics go, I have a tendency to always push decks of cards, which Adam hates. That's how kind of the MBS comes <laughs> because I love yes. decks of cards. So that's, like, the only mechanical thing I ever felt compelled to kind of, like, initially add to uh, the, the, con- the concept phase but yeah adam's right on we should just talk about what kind of theme we want to go so yeah, I, go. I, I only hate it because we do so many games with decks of cards they're they're take a long time to design and they require yeah. a lot of art and it's just a long process to proof them it's just a pain but that's a, that's a whole other discussion <laughs> so um about the kickstarter schedule so the kickstarter schedule is difficult because like brady said we had kind of to plan ahead um because we don't we don't like just do a kickstarter have all the every all the assets ready to go, you know, and like and just hit the print button and send it to the printer. We do a Kickstarter to 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 raise the funds to finish a game. Like we start get some we get some art going, we we start the development, we get the we get the game design locked in, and we get some miniatures sculpted up. But then we have we do the Kickstarter to fund the rest of it, and then after the Kickstarter ends, we commission the rest of the art. We finish play testing. We we you know go through the manufacturing process, all that stuff in the back end. Um, and so we kind of have to pl- we have to kind of do Kickstarter much earlier than when we want the game to come out. And now that Brady and I are full time, our uh, blacklist has to kind of have enough capital to keep us on full time. <laughs> so okay. they're kind of scheduling their Kickstarters out to to compensate for that. That being said, um, the better that our Kickstarters do, the more time that gives us to kind of stretch things out. Um, but again, like w- while we love doing this and it's fun for us. We are, it is a job like anybody else is a job. You know, like you go to work, you, you have to your company has to make money. You got to do what you got to do to make money. Um, and for a publishing company, they have to have games. And so Blacklist doesn't have a massive inventory of all of our other games to sell retail. So Kickstarter is a way for them to generate the money to make more games and get the bigger inventory. And so the better these Kickstarters do, the more inventory they'll get, and then we can actually like you know sell those and maybe. We have some plans to go straight to retail next year for some games. Um, one of those was Contra. We've, we announced that we were doing a Contra board game. That one is not a Kickstarter. So that's mm. our first dip, dipping our toes into that pond. And that so one we'll, is going to be for, for Blacklist too? or for uh, Yes, that is a Blacklist game. And we have another one, a smaller game, that we're going to announce hopefully soon. It's going to be another retail game. Um, and it's another test to see how we can do that. Uh, you know, we're doing a smaller card game, you know, just to make sure it's uh, easier to produce, cheaper for us. Um, but we want to do more of that so we can kind of not have so many Kickstarters so close together. Yeah, and, and one other aspect of that I'll just add on is, um, for better or worse, what Kickstarter essentially is these days, it's it's a combination of a 
marketing platform slash pre-order system slash you know just general hype machine um and because of what it's becoming a lot of publishers like blacklist who are smaller and you know they're gro- they're still growing they're going through that growing phase they, they have to abide by what that is what that platform is and so all of, a lot of that is built around that so we have to actually pace these out at a certain in a certain way where they kind of overlap like that because otherwise you know then then we'll have a lag time where there's no product to sell there's no money to generate so until we have that kind of backlog built up of a catalog that we can you know we have stock of we kind of have to abide by how everybody else is operating you know so we're just kind of playing the game essentially <laughs> yeah well, I think it's about time. We've talked about Kickstarter. We've talked about the MDS in general. And we, we're here to talk about Hour of Need, right? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get to it. Um, and the way I want – I'm going to ask you guys to describe the game. But the way I wanted to kind of frame it was something you said. I think I forget whether it was Adam Brady who said it. But like Hour of Need is an MDS game, but it was designed toward, with a more of an eye towards accessibility. So maybe you can talk about the game and, you know, describe it, but kind of talk about how you guys tried to accomplish that accessibility piece. Sure. Yeah. And this is my turn, Adam, right? Yes. You you will go first when, with Jason's okay. questions, and I will go first with Derek's <laughs> questions. I got you. Wow. In 20 minutes, we finally worked that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the problem is that you guys, I mean, you guys, you're twins, right? So you look like, like a lot of each other, you know? You don't know who is who. And right, uh, right. When, yeah. when your voice is through the Skype in this, in this case... Uh, it's the same. I like. I need to see at the picture. Like, okay, who is talking? Because you guys sound exactly the same. So, so yeah. I don't, I don't know when it's Brady and when it's Adam, but go for it. Okay. Uh, so Jason's gonna follow Brady. All right. So or vice versa. Sorry. Um, and yeah. So uh, so our need. Um, the the main concept of this was we had several. Uh, let's call them hurdles with our previous games because um, and and it's more in my my eyes my perception because there are things that I want to address uh, it, like for Street Masters um, there's a high buy-in it's a high price tag to get into it there's mm-hmm. a lot of content and we and we value we good put a good value on it you're getting a lot for your for your money but there's still a high price tag on that entry level um, so uh, one thing I really wanted to try for a, a new product was having multiple points of entry so you could buy a more affordable core game or you could buy an even cheaper like you know lower player count version of the game it's standalone so we're that's that's what kind of um, kind of started off that whole design process of our need because I thought it was a great time to push this IP because I've been dying to do superheroes for a long time and I think it's it's you know in the in the culture right now it's out there it's you know marvel's killing it right now there's comic book superheroes are a big thing in the movie world so um comic book comic book heroes comic book heroes (laughs) superheroes is trademarked guys be careful with that um is it really it is not yeah no it's uh, marvel marvel and dc have like a joint like trademark on it trademark on superheroes so you have to say just heroes or comic book do I need to scrub the mention of superheroes <laughs> no, in order my my podcast to go down? No, <laughs> no, it's, it's mostly just for like published, you know, like names, naming conventions. But um, anyway, so yeah, superheroes. I thought it was a great time to try this out. Uh, so our movie was built from this standpoint where um, it's not going to be. Um, the accessibility is going to be built into like you know a simpler game. It, it is an easier game to learn. It, it plays faster than our previous games, but it still has the same meat on its bones as our other games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more digestible, I think, up front. It's not like a fire hose spraying you in the face, you know. Uh, so um, the uh, the the main point I wanted to hit was I wanted to get the game time from like I wanted to see if we could make four player games in under an hour. If you're experienced with the game. 
you could play four players in under, under an hour. That was the goal. And then this game also scales up to six player. So uh, six player in under two hours, I think, is a win. So that's what that was kind of our target um, because of questions that keep coming up with our previous games, like you know, Street Masters, Brook City, Alter Quest. Is can it play five? Can it play six? And we always thought the sweet spot was one to four players because scaling between pure solo play, where you're playing as one character, up to four can be you know tricky. But adding one to six player, I, we just don't want to try that. You know, we don't we don't we don't want to mess with it. But for this one, we did. We thought we were ready to take that on. So, um, so hour of need is going to be uh, the core game, one to four player. There's four heroes in that. There's going to be standalone expansions that are two player starter boxes essentially, where you can play oh, solo or with two players, and you can combine those standalone expansions with the core game to play up to six. So that's and, that's what accessibility really was born mm. from. And I will say that our first six-player playtest with six people totally new to the game finished the game within two hours. They lost on the turn before they would have won. On so the very, like, they, yeah, on the very last turn before, like because you lose if you run out of the cards in the issue deck, and they had no cards left. They were they were, if they had one more turn, they would have won. They would have defeated the boss, but they lost because somebody got defeated and and the triggered a crisis event. So, um, so it was very close, and it was very satisfying to watch that play out. So, and that they weren't just new to the game; they were new to the M- to MDS in general. They hadn't played like you know Street Masters or Brook City or Alter Quest. They were all fresh. So that was really cool to see. Um, and everyone dug the theme because they, they have that to latch on to. They have the superheroes who have those tropes, you know, that we kind of try to tie in there. Even though it's an original IP, we wanted to tie in certain tropes where it's like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, if you imagine how Superman would operate, this is kind of how this guy operates. And, and and you touched on this, Brady, but you didn't expand on it. But when you said multiple points of entry to make it, you know, more affordable, um, the, the base game will cost less than like street masters for example uh, because we are it's going to be less miniatures uh, because we're not making it like there's you know street masters alter quest stuff like that people will look at it and think it's a miniature a minis fest you know and that's that's a fair observation it looks like a ton of miniatures uh, there will be miniatures in in Hour of Need, uh, but they're not going to be as many miniatures. So yeah, but that's not to say that we won't have a lot in the Kickstarter because people do like that. So we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna help you know uh, 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 remedy that, give us people the miniatures they want. But it's not like a necessary buy-in where you're buying a bucket of miniatures just just to play yeah. the game. So more of more of modular ways to use yeah. more miniatures. Okay, so I will go. Sorry, Jason, because I, I, I'm doing two questions and two questions. But hey, to be fair, it's like one short and then the, the important one. <laughs> now, now that they went ahead and start to now that they went ahead and start to steal questions from us, Jason, which they already talked about the price. The first quick question would be: They mentioned that it's going to be more affordable or more accessible than Street Masters, and I would say probably the same as Brook City because if I remember correctly, they were around the same prices on the Kickstarters. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. And Alter Quest was around the same price on Kickstarter. Correct me if I'm wrong again. But when you mentioned it's going to be more affordable, my first question would be: uh, Do you know? Do you guys already know? I know this goes through uh, production and marketing and all the stuff. Do you already know how much it's going to be for the base game? Uh, and uh, the other thing would be. Brady, when you and I played, you were mentioning about the six-player, uh, uh, you know, game that you guys had and that they lost because on the last turn. I just wanted to make a point here and put it on the record that my first game of Hour of Need, we lose because of Brady. I want to point it out there, you know, because, you know, I like challenging games and one of my filters is the replayability. I like to die on games, you know, because it makes the game more realistic and it gives my decision more, more importance uh, and it helps me to plan a better strategy for the game. 
But I just want to make it a point that we lost because of Brady. But anyway, <laughs> my second question, my second question will be, it's not a question, more. it's more about, uh, more like a chatty, I guess, chat way of describe it. Like, Brady, we play the game, uh, we have fun. You already, you already guys talk about uh, briefly, uh, you know, how the, what the game is, our need. But can you um, spoil a little bit, Brady or Adam, about an, a scenario of the game? Which I, because I, I love the scenario that we play, that's what I'm saying. And I know that our amazing listeners will like to hear about that too. And sure. also, if you can describe, a, you know, a turn on the game, like, you know, the phases of the game, what are you doing? Uh, and what's, the, what's, like I said, the story of the first scenario, like what's going on in this superhero chaotic world? Sure. Right. Yeah. So I will uh, address the price thing, and I'll also talk about issues. But I'm gonna let I will pass it on to Brady after this, so he can discuss in detail the issues because he worked really hard on it on the first one. Um, and I'm sure he wants to expand on it. So the the price thing is the uh, there will be a pledge in the Kickstarter. We're not we don't have the prices finely tuned yet, but it's we're, we're before we don't want to announce them yet. You know, we have the general idea, yeah. but the the pledge we're gonna have a pledge that's gonna be roughly like. Alter Quest and Street Master Brook City. That's going to be the base game and two standalone expansions all together for a roughly the same price as what you would get Street Masters for. So it's three boxes instead of one. Um, so it's a pretty killer deal. Um, but the other pledge levels will be cheaper than that. I, that, I can tell you that much. Um, all right. So there'll, there'll, be, be a, there'll, be a, there'll be a pledge level for just for a starter two player box at standalone expansion. Just if you want to just, I, I just want to try this game. You can buy just that one box, or you can buy the core game, which is the second pledge level for just the core game, four players, or you can buy the third pledge pledge level, which is everything, all three. It's the core game plus that standalone expansion plus an exclusive standalone expansion, which we haven't revealed yet. Right. <laughs> actually, uh, watch watch Facebook. Uh, actually, I don't know when this is, when when's this going when's this going to air. Uh, next week. Next week. Okay. Cool. So it will be live. People will be able to see it. So they'll see. The so, so yeah, we can yeah we can just say there's the core game. There's the Judge and Jury standalone expansion, which is the base pledge level. If you just get the very cheapest pledge level, it's the Judge and Jury box. We've already revealed that. And then the exclusive one is uh, the Jim and Ice, which is uh, my, my hero, Jim, and the Adam's heroes, Ice. They're like the cosmic superhero pair. Um, mm. that, that's an exclusive Kickstarter s- expansion, both of those being standalone. So you can buy them you know, after market and be able to play the game fully with just two players. So that... Yeah, and then I'll go into the, the discussion about the issues in the game. So the way the decks work in the game, there's hero decks, there's villain decks, and there's issue decks. And the issue decks also have a corresponding board that you play on that's that issue. Um, for example, the the first issue we'll be showing people is called Century Heist, which I'll let Brady explain in a minute here. But the one the important thing about issues in this game, even more so than like stages and street masters and um, quests and altar quests, stuff like that, the issues basically are like their own game. So every issue plays differently, kind of sets the the objective, the, what the villain's trying to do. The heroes are always trying to stop the villain, uh, but the issue always has different different places to go, different things that are happening, um, different events. Um, it's like a whole new game. Every single issue is like a, feels like a different game. So, so is, uh, that, let, what, is that like the environment deck, or is that like the case deck in your yeah? So yeah. Is structured kind of like in a comic an issue of a comic that's like that's why they're called issues it's like a pun because there's issues to take care of but it's also an issue like a, a story it's a here's like here's an issue of this ongoing saga um so 
the century heist issue is um, kind of kicks things off. It's like the intro one to, to learn the game. Um, and it's, it's geared to be the most straightforward, but it takes place in new crown city, which is where this, the bait, the core game is kind of set. It's kind of like your standard metropolis style city. Um, and uh, there's a, uh, the villain, whoever the villain is, you can sock it at any villain you want. Um, but the recommended villain is Dowager. She's the kind of the, the mob boss that's been uh, infested with some, um, interdimensional uh spirit of um ambition so she's kind of possessed to be more ambitious she murdered her husband wise guy and now she's running the mob so she's like the preferred the recommended starting villain for this so dowager's going to rob the um century bank in new crown city so the way the board is laid out um if you're familiar with street masters you'll you'll have that 11 by 11 uh, uh hex grid before one one second before you mention that though just to for people who don't know much about the MDS, is the the issue deck and the villain deck is totally modular. You can play any issue with any villain, so right. anybody, any villain can be trying to rob this bank. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is the kind of like the recommended starting like you know combination essentially. Um, so you'll uh, you'll have a board, and it's gonna be it's not gonna be just a. a 11 by 11 like uh, Street Masters is, it's going to be actually a little longer, and it's going to fold in half. So you unfold this board kind of like a comic book, and it'll have the map in the middle, and it'll have these side panels on either side, and those have different um, little story uh, elements, but they're also kind of like locations. So there'll be a hex grid of the New Crown City, a downtown district, and there'll be call-out spaces that correspond to these panels on the side. So you could like move around and go into one of these uh, what they're called scheme spaces and go into the scheme panel and there's things going on over there. When the villain starts the game, they're going to start hidden in one of those scheme panels. So they're going to be doing their own their machinations while you're playing and and you have to you have to reveal them to, to fight them to win. So your goal is to reveal the villain by solving their schemes that are dictated by the by the issue deck. And once you reveal the villain, a showdown starts. You can start attacking the villain while the villain still tries to accomplish their overall goal, in this case, robbing the bank. Um, mm. If the villain gets three gold out of the bank then escapes from the subway tunnels, you lose. If you manage to defeat the villain before that happens, you win. The other standard loss condition, no matter what issue you're playing, is if you can't draw an issue card... There's nine issue cards. On the 10th turn, if you can't draw an issue card, you lose because you lost. You ran out of time, essentially. So that's okay, how So, so mm-hmm. be a really firm timer on the game. So I'm going to steal from Derek and ask two questions of my own. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> short ones. It needs, actually, to, it needs to be a short one and then, you know, the, the real one. <laughs> <laughs> actually, these are my final two questions because um, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground over here, so I think we get a good sense of what we're getting with Hour of Need. Um, one of them is actually an observation, and I think you kind of answered it, but I wanted to make sure we hit it. Thinking of Michael Kelly from our friends at One Stop Co-op Shop, um, his biggest problem with Brook City in particular was that the case deck and the criminal deck did not interact. Right. So, like, you had the criminal and he was doing his thing and they, they had the case to, so like, rescue a a person, you know, rescue a kid mm-hmm. uh, who was kidnapped. And But the criminal didn't do it. <laughs> the criminal <laughs> just had to get in your right. way. So it's kind of like a, a, a little bit of a disconnect there. It sounds like the issue deck and the criminal are a lot more integrated here is that correct yeah yeah and and on the um the brook city issue or the brook city not issue the brook city situation that was kind of a design choice from the thematic nature of the syndicate which is like the the shadow organization um and i understand the because i've heard that from him plus somebody else mentioned that and that's something that's like well 
we probably didn't explain that well enough through like the you know through the narrative and everything but i totally get that that complaint and, and that's something also that kind of drove um when, when i'd go back and look at what worked with street masters how the stages interacted with the villain i wanted to also increase that that was also another one of the initial visions we had early on was how do we make these things more intertwined so yeah, that is definitely one of the visions we had yeah so in Bro- especially like i just want to chime in on brook city because it's kind of weird because the criminal you choose doesn't necessarily have to mean that the criminal is responsible for that that case, you know? So it's like right. that, yeah, it, it could be. It's kind of up to, we kind of left it to the players to kind of make their own Yeah, because it was more which, of a distraction. Like, here's here's your distraction. This villain, or this this uh, criminal is r- running rampant in the city, and you have to solve this case while that, while that criminal is causing trouble. So the criminal is more like just... Uh, a nuisance as opposed to like the driving force behind the 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 you know the the, the syndicate's uh, overall goals so yeah i, I could yeah. totally that perception was not you know not made clear and 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 i get the complaint for sure so <laughs> the way the uh in, in this hour of need to address that also like the the issue deck is pretty much driving the villain to their goal like the issue deck is pretty much the objective of the villain and the villain the villain deck is kind of like a um it populates the board with minions different ways. It has various effects. It has perils that come out, and it has lackeys that come out. Um, lackeys are kind of like the, the villain's henchmen. Um, so the, the villain deck is kind of uh, this oppressive force, like always trying to trying to get in your way. Um, but the the issue deck guides the villain to their to their victory. So they definitely play play together in the game. Yeah, and they're so cool. synergistic because the issue deck will actually activate the villain sometimes because there's a general thing called uh, scheming. So the villain will always try to do scheme effects on the scheme panels. So anytime you draw an issue card, if you can't resolve a certain effect, it'll just say, oh, the villain schemes. So it's all they're always like cross-referencing each other in different ways. So really, it's just kind of a secondary villain deck in, in a sense. And it also serves as a timer and just kind of a, a pacing mechanic throughout the issue. And it's, it's a lot less overhead. The issues in general are a lot less overhead than the stages were in Street Masters or the cases were in Brook City. They're m- just much more intertwined. Wow, that answer was a lot longer than I thought. Which <laughs> 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 so, is perfectly fine. So this is my very, very last question. And it's it, I guess it's kind of a, a, a one kind of overarching uh, critical point that I have for the MDS system game so far. And it's, it's the nature of the criminals in general. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned how the, especially at four players, the games are longer. Like they're, you can get them like, you know, two hours or whatever. But it's not necessarily two hours of pure fun. Right. It's right. a lot of management, especially for my mind on the criminal end where in Brook City and in Street Masters, you're always pulling a card before every single player turn. Right. And it just adds a, per, adds a, adds a goon, adds a goon, adds a goon in, in both games. And then, and especially in a cooperative game, there's always that moment where you forget the goons and go after the big goal. But you're still adding goons, adding goons, adding goons that have to be tracked, you know, just to kind of keep the game integrity going. So mm-hmm. that it creates a lot of overhead that you, isn't necessary to know for to have fun and to win the game. Right. So right. is that? I mean, I, I guess that's a thing that <laughs> if I had a big criticism, that would be it. So was that addressed at all in Brook City? Or I mean, what do you think of that criticism first of all? And was that addressed in this design? The two I, in aspects. Let me let me just jump on this real quick. I mean, this is something I think about a ton because I play street matches all the time. Um, and I think one of the biggest um, uh, things that we tried to remedy with this because I didn't see I didn't see it as a problem much myself because I mostly. We mostly set out when designing Street Masters and actually Brook City because they were designed so close together before Street Masters was even on the market. Um, it was very much, let's make a really great, compelling solo game. 
that can also be played co-op, you know? And then I think that was one of the problems is because we played at one to two players a lot, low, low player counts. And we didn't see as much issues because we, we, you know, we play tested minimally at the higher player counts early on. And we relied on external testers to do a lot of our testing. Um, but with this game, that was something I wanted to really take into account because we hear we hear a lot of people talk about you know downtime and playing a high and also the scaling is it was never you know it was never something that I was like the most proud of like this is the most proud I am of the scaling but in <laughs> our need um, that was the the probably the most fundamental design uh, vision meeting we had when we were talking about it early on is is let's make a game that almost plays better. The high, higher player counts, you know. So we still wanted yeah. to be like fun solo, fun lower player counts. But like you want your friends to come over and play this, you know. It's it's not like a dread to think about playing a higher player counts, you know. Yeah, and I wanted to chime in saying that I totally understand that criticism. Like I don't take it personally. Like oh my god, I don't because I I feel the same way when I play when we got you know Brook City for example and play you know brought us for a four player game night. It's a little, it's a little much, you know. Like it's it's the sweet spot for that game is two player. I feel like it's a buddy cop game. It's really fast mm-hmm. and fun two player. Um, but yes, lots of cards coming out. That was one of the biggest things we sat down early for hour of need, saying, "Let's address this." I do not want to have every single turn a card coming out. I don't want that. Like I mean, I want to draw cards to drive the game, but we should have more cards. You just draw it, resolve it, and discard it. Yeah, and that's, not, that's how this leave the huge. number of iterations. The first two weeks to design this, like Adam, Adam was sort of like, take, just take some time off, man, because I was going insane. But I would not give it up because I had all these different iterations of the game where you kept drawing these cards and this big, long thread area. And I'm just like, this, this is exactly what I didn't want to happen. You know, like, I don't want to have all these cards out and I'd have all these different solutions of how to fix it. And it wasn't until like, you know, after about a week or two of trying different things, um, Adam and I kind of reapproached it again. And now it's like, you'll probably only ever, I mean, there's, the beauty of we the we just we just play tested a, a new issue today, and at most I, we only each ever had two cards in our threat area. Right. Right. Um, so that it's one of the goals is like the the modular elements of the game. That's how you add more modularity to the game. If you want to add, you know, uh, some some captive bystanders, their special bystanders that'll go in your threat area. So like different things you add to the game will put more cards in your threat area. But that's only if you choose to have more pressure. But none of that is going to be adding to like your overhead. Your like your the game time, the analysis of drawing new cards. Because the most of this game you'll do is on your turn, oh this actually goes into the question we forgot to answer for Derek, the turns <laughs> sequence, which will be easy to Yeah, explain. yeah, you never... You see, I, I, made, I keep the, the mechanic of two questions, but you just answer one that time. So <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't even say anything. You just sat there quiet. <laughs> well, I'm giving you some time to see if you catch it up or not. Like, oh, yeah. No, it's, it's a perfect time to address it because it kind of goes into like what you're talking about, Jason, because the that's one thing we wanted to avoid also is bringing out new cards and, and having more analysis about what these cards do. So... The way that the game works now is after you have it set up, there's three turns. You have the villain turn, you have the hero turn, and you have the issue turn. Um, and that's similar to the previous structures, but the way those work, they're so simple because the villain turn, all that happens is every hero, every player draws a villain card, and all the, they resolve the villain icons on it. They're called the, the um, activation icons, and they'll either spawn a minion on the board, you just place a minion on the scheme panel, or they'll put a bystander out. Or they'll have a text effect that's like, oh, the villain inflicts you, you discard it. That's all that is. You might draw a lackey. You put that in your threat area. You so, might draw a put that in your threat area. Yeah, so, every uh, every villain deck, just to chime in on that, every villain deck has lackeys and perils. And typically about four four copies each. So the, in, that, in that villain deck, those are the only cards that come out that actually go in your threat area. Everything right. else just gets drawn and resolved. 
Yeah, lackeys are just going to be guys that move around the board doing different things, capturing bystanders. Perils are are defined by the villain. For example, Dowager, who I referenced before, she has time bombs she places, and if they go off, they defeat bystanders. And if you're on a bystanders in the game, you're in big trouble. So you want to you want to defuse those bombs before they go off. Um, so you'll activate your villain. You'll all draw a villain card, discard it, and move on. The hero turn is what's great. Everyone has two actions, and it's all simultaneous. So you you all have uh, choice. Who does what action when? The only stipulation is after after one hero does their second action, the game pauses for a second while they resolve their threat area, and then it continues on until everyone's done their whole all, both actions. So mm-hmm. it's very like strategic, very conversational, and it moves very fast because there's no real you know there's no real downtime. Why somebody considers how should I use my second action? Well, if you don't know, I'll do mine real quick. You know that kind of thing. So a lot of back and forth, and a lot of just a lot of excitement usually. And then the issue turn is just drawing an issue card and that's it you don't have any cards to activate you just draw an issue card see what it says discard it and you're done so it moves now the way that that functions by keeping the the system of our games going like we always have these things that kind of like trigger you know these activate effects we typically do in other games in this one bad things happen cause crises so like if you have to place a minion on the board and there are no minions left in the in the supply you have to resolve the crisis effect on the scheme card if a hero is defeated, you have to resolve a crisis effect. Um, if you can't draw a bystander, you have to... So all these things, the bad things that happen would trigger a crisis, and that's what could drive the end of the game. Cool. Yeah. So now, I, I guess, um, you know, kind of in, in order not to break the mechanic, it's still... Uh, you know, keep going with two questions. Um, <laughs> even, even if you answer, well, I'm one, done, my friend. I mean, <laughs> whatever you, you got answer, going. Answer one whenever the, whenever you want to do it. But anyway, I will throw it anyway. Um, so one comment that I want to make, uh, you know, regarding Brooksy, um, I played a few times cooperative mainly. I haven't tried solo, so I don't have a few a full aspect as a as a global to have a formal opinion about. Uh, which way works better and different mechanics since I only have played like two or three scenarios. But I really like what you guys did with um, what Jason was mentioning a little bit about, I think you said, Jason, that you hear it in One Stop Co-op Shop, right? You think? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, that he, the Michael, I guess he didn't like the 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 way that he was playing, uh, you know, the scenario and the bad guy doing at the same time and they feel kind of disconnected. I actually enjoy that because I feel like taking those two things separately and disconnected, it was also a way to avoid what I really hate in cooperative games, which Brady, you know, it is the... Oh, man. <laughs> man Too much eggs, Benedict. You can't ask that question. <laughs> the alpha player, man. I hate the alpha player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, so I, I think with that mechanic, you have, it also helps to avoid that. But anyway, that wasn't my question. My first question, <laughs> my first question would be, um, where, I mean, you know, and this is a, a thing that I also saw on Facebook not too long ago, that, and I think, I think it's important to make it clear. Um, somebody asked... I don't remember if it was on the Blacklist uh, fan page or in one of your posts, Brady, uh, that if you weren't afraid to, uh, to, for somebody to sue you, basically. Oh, and yeah. be- be- before, you, before we answer that, I think it's important to make sure this is going to lead to my question. Um, I think it's important to, at least for me, I'm not a legal expert or anything like that. I'm pretty sure you guys have more experience than me in that aspect. But for me, there's a big difference when something eats inspired from 
or and when it's based from. So from my understanding, uh, when it's based from, it's basically you're taking the same theme and you're doing something different, but it's the same theme, the same character names, everything. And when it's something that it's inspired from, it's it's that. It's you're, you're getting the inspiration from other person or from other piece of art or from other piece of music or whatever, but you're creating your own different thing. That's what I understand from those two different words, which correct me if I'm wrong once again. So somebody said, like, are you, somebody uh, questioned you, like, are you uh, afraid for being sued? And this will lead to my main question, which is, uh, where do you guys take the inspiration from? I know it's from superheroes, and I can see some similarities to, you know, once again, that they, where the inspiration come from. But, I mean, where did you mainly took the the inspiration, let's call it again, to make the superheroes for this new IP and this new theme of the Hour of Need? That's a good question, and uh, it is definitely something I've seen on Facebook as well. Um, as far as the afraid of getting sued thing, no, I'm not even the slightest bit of getting afraid of getting sued because the first thing that would happen if something was a concern is we would get a cease and desist, and that's okay. Well, we will comply with that if you think that we're doing something, you know, out of line. But if people, that's, typically, that's, it's not like, and that's only if we make five million dollars off. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but typically, it's not like oh, you're getting sued, you're in a lawsuit. Now, if we get if somebody came to us and said cease and desist doing this because of you know this violates this. We would say, okay, well, we will comply with what whatever you feel is fair because we're not gonna we're not out to steal things, for, ideas from anybody or anything like that. Um, that being said, it is it's there's a lot of gray areas in, in that whole legal stuff. And again, I'm no lawyer either, so yeah, I think that I think the main thing th- those those copyright and trademarks are mostly there to prevent just very intentional malicious activity. So like we're not trying to trick anybody to thinking like hey look at this game this game is a DC game or it's a Marvel game. I mean there's we're not being deceptive. So we're, like for example I, I think what you're, you're mentioning is the comments that were made on Judge and Jury Box. So uh, obviously Judge and Jury is very much an homage to Batman and Robin because I love Batman and Robin I love Gotham. Wait, I love to I need to say it when I saw that box it was like Holy cow! I'm yeah, and I'll say, I'll say also, we we have no like, you know, we're not going to be, we're we're not there to be the most original people in the world. We're not trying to like, oh, revolutionize what comics could mean to people. We're there to celebrate things that inspired us when we were kids and what got us into comics, stuff like that. We want to celebrate that, and it's it's gonna it's gonna show in some of these character designs because that's, that's what inspired yeah. that character, you know? And, and what I was going to say is like, it's, it's like, we're, we're trying very hard not to be deceptive. I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, look at this, this here's, here's bat lady and, and, uh, you know, bird girl or something like, I, I don't want to be, you know, here's just, here's, I want to trick you into thinking this is, you know, a Batman game or something. It's just, it's, it's just kind of a love letter. You know, it's just something where I, I love these characters and and it's honestly limited to that box, you know. So here's a, here's a cool box that might appeal to people who like Batman and want to play. Like there might be some little girl out there who might want to play as Batman if it was a girl. And this judge character looks all like Batman, so I'm gonna play as her. So it's more of that. And and I, those those you know trademarks and and copyrights are there for a good purpose because there are a lot of knockoffs out there. Like people will just bootleg stuff. Uh, hopefully people can see it's not what we're doing uh, but like adam said i mean if it was ever an issue we would obviously address it because we're not trying to trick it yeah anybody. we we would be happy to go up there and and change judge to be purple and you know change punchline to have 
uh, red hair or something. Like, you know, we would change things if it was an issue or if it became and, something. But And honestly, yeah, I mean, it's uh, just to give you a little behind the scenes, like, that wasn't even the, the, the dictation. Like, I didn't say, hey, artist, do this. But the artist gave us something, and we're like, you know, that looks pretty cool, actually. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said to do it that way, but that looks great. I think let's do it, you know? So it's just... It's 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 not just it's not just one person saying, "Hey, I want I want this guy to look just like this." It's just it's kind of everybody's love letter to things they love, you know, if they characters they love. So, um I, that's why I was hoping more would be the reaction. I think that's that there's a vocal minority that's a little more, you know, like suspicious or something about it, but um, you know, hopefully they see past that and and they see that we're just we just love we love the same stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I will say also, people that like might be scared about getting involved with something that might have some kind of legal issue, it's not a problem. Like, if somebody approaches us with an issue, we'll resolve it. You know, we're yeah, not gonna just, we're, <laughs> we're not gonna fight to to make people upset. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And, and like you said, I think it's very important, and I, I'm pretty sure you're gonna agree with me, Jason, on this. That there's a big difference. Or what do you think, Jason? I would like to know your opinion as well, since I know and correct me if I'm wrong. I said I know I said a lot. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because, first of all, my language barrier, and second of all, I don't know too much. But <laughs> it's, uh, So there's a big difference. I, I, I think you have a background in psychology. So um, uh, it's a, there's a big difference from the way of understanding uh, to those two words, right, when it's inspired and based. Yes, there is. There's a big difference. Um, so, I mean, like, I think what Adam and Brady are saying is, like, it, like I love the idea of, like, a love letter, an homage to the stuff that you really that you both really love, and thank you very much for that last question. That actually, um, so I think we're at this point we've said all we can say about the actual game itself. You know, it's a different game; <laughs> it's not the same game as the regular MDS games, <laughs> and it's accessible. And it it there's a lot of the earlier lessons from the previous games were learned and kind of incorporated into the new design. Um, so we'll cut off the game discussion here. And we'll move into our second uh, half of the episode, which is the influences. And that's exactly what, you know, Brady and I don't talk about in terms of a love letter to stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we are going to get into top three comic book things. Uh, and the point of all these top three lists is to help kind of give a framing for the inspirations. So I have a feeling after we go through... You know, after especially Adam and Brady go through uh, their top three, you're gonna give a sense for what what you're gonna get in hours of need. You're gonna, you're gonna obviously you're gonna get Robin on <laughs> some level. <laughs> oh yeah, somebody likes Robin. Robin. I can tell you. I, I mean, I have the fortune, and once again, thank you, Brady. Uh, that one time I went to your house actually uh, with my friend Caleb Wiles to to play actually Brook City before it was. I think or it was just a little bit after it was. The campaign completely fun. Something like, I don't remember correctly, but mm-hmm. you know it wasn't too long ago. And oh my God, you should see it, Jason. You have a statues and comics about and books about Robin oh all around the place. <laughs> <laughs> like it almost Brady called it the game room, but I don't know if, if it should be called the Robin room or something. <laughs> it's mainly Robin, which you know it's it's good because usually I mean I'm I'm a huge fan of DC and you know Batman for me is like the biggest thing in superheroes. And it's very common that people go, oh, yeah, Batman, Batman, Batman. But not all the people go for Robin. And, <laughs> and Brady, it's a huge fan of Robin. 
My, my son still comes to my office every time he walks in. No matter where he, where I'm sitting, he'll look up and go, "It's Robin." There, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is again. <laughs> All right, well, I'm sure that Brady will love to expound when we get to the actual list. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go in alphabetical order. We're gonna go Adam, Brady, Derek, and Jason for our top three comic book things, characters, uh, storylines, team-ups, or, or whatever. Whatever came to mind when it came to that. Cool. Uh, okay, so we are going to get to Adam first. Your number three comic book thing. I know we're building up, right? So we're starting with, you know, number one yep. is the top. Okay. Bottom, bottom to top. All right, so... I had a, this this is tough because there's so many comic book things um, and just we were chatting beforehand and and a joke Jason made a joke about oh if there's Warhammer comics you can pick that because I love Warhammer <laughs> it's like there was recently a Games Workshop Marvel uh, partnership that I'm excited about but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna include that uh, but honorable <laughs> mention I guess but I'm thinking number three for me even though this is really important but I think it's less important than others but I think that the Marvel Unlimited app is awesome yes like yes. that that is Fantastic. an amazing app if anybody has hasn't tried it out you should try it out i got to read all the old x-men comics from the very beginning um which was difficult those those are hard to read through but uh it's awesome to catch up on all those old comics and basically read marvel's entire library um whenever you want so how much does that cost it's yeah, i think it's like it's 10 bucks a month or something but you can get a whole year yeah. for 60 bucks so it's a pretty mm-hmm. good deal for, if you go for the year and it's legit every comic. Like you go back and see even like Silver Age stuff. It, it just has so much content. So much stuff. The only thing that limits is like the new releases. It's like only two – it has to be out for two months before it goes on the app or something like that. I don't know. But that's only the new stuff. Right. Cool. The Marvel Unlimited app, I can definitely give that recommendation. I caught up on a lot of stuff yeah. myself with that app. Uh, Brady, you're number three. I, I, I'm i assuming that some Robin thing is number one, <laughs> unless you have all three things as some sort of Robin-associated thing. I have no idea. Jason Todd, uh, Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobody likes Jason Todd. Oh, Jason God. Todd's the number, number 1,000. He's, he's way – he's even – he's above uh, Damian Wayne, but not by much. I was gonna say. I think Damian Wayne is the best. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. Don't start that, Derek. Let's not not go there. Um, But yeah, my number three. uh, This this might seem low, but I'll explain later. But um, I'll have to go with the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Mm. because that. um, I know that's not like a comic book, but it's adjacent. You know, it's inspired by. Good enough. But yeah, Yeah. I was I was honestly not much of a Marvel guy before seeing Iron Man the movie. I was always DC. I'm obviously I'm a big Robin fan, so I was Batman and Robin all the way. And I like I have a lot of favorite DC heroes like Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Um, I loved a lot of the Superman books. um, You know, all the Batman Robin stuff. So I, I I had a lot more favorite characters in DC. But when I got into the MCU. Like especially lately, I've just been I've been becoming more and more just a Marvel fanboy. So, um, and, and and also the new game for Fantasy Flight. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I think that just the fact that the MCU exists helps comics be such a phenomenon lately. Which is just it's a great time to be alive, man. Because there's so much media and so much stuff about superheroes. Some people get bitter because they're like, oh, my favorite things like mainstream now. But I, I I'm loving it. I love how predominant comics are now. So mm-hmm. I have to give it to MCU. All right, Derek, you're number three. My number three, um, I will have to say that I know. I mean, to be honest with you, like like Brady said, like now every everybody's more like now being in the geek world and uh, you know reading comics now is the the new uh, you know the new good stuff because I mean we need to remember that not too long ago, probably what like 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, 
if you if you were reading comics, everybody will look you like, oh, you're the weird guy that reads comics. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Now, now everybody wants to know everything about comics because of most of it because of the MCU, right? Yeah. Even if a lot of the movies they don't have anything to do with um, with the comics. But anyway, the the comic that I've been reading recently that is has been blowing my mind, and I really enjoyed, and I highly recommend it to all uh, you amazing listeners and friends that like to read comics, or even if you don't read comics and to, you want to jump into a comic. Um, that is not Marvel or anything like that. It's uh, Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkman, the same writer as The Walking Dead, as you all know. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, comic came out, I want to say, in 2018. Uh, it's like issue number 20 at this point, number 22. Oh, man, but the, the, the story is great. It's basically this uh, uh, post-apocalyptic world where you can travel to a, to a, another dimension where there's monsters, aliens, and stuff like that, and people live in that dimension that is called the Oblivion. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it too much. It's a great story by Robert Kirkman, so if you enjoy the comics of The Walking Dead, uh, and I think the other one is called Invincible, um, this one... This one won't disappoint, and I will highly recommend it. Once again, Oblivion, Oblivion Song by Skybound and Robert Kickman. Uh, the art is great. I think it's made by an art, Italian artist called uh, Lorenzo De Felici. I think that's his name. But anyway, Oblivion Song, Robert Kickman, that will be my recommendation number three. Very nice. All right. Uh, I'm actually a Walking Dead agnostic. I mean, the comic book just kind of left me flat. The TV show, don't watch the TV show now. <laughs> it's gone completely off the rails. Well, this one, believe me, I, I, I need to, I need to mail you some issues uh, because, I mean, it's, it's very good. I, I know it won't disappoint. So I, I will highly recommend it for you to give it a try. All right, very cool. Uh, okay, so my number three, uh, going off of the MCU idea, is actually Black Panther, my wife's favorite movie yeah. in the MCU. The only movie that she will watch in the MCU because <laughs> my wife is Haitian, African American, and you know she was just very inspired like by the whole thing, and she just wanted to know more. And that is crazy to me. Like my wife doesn't do anything geeky at all. <laughs> I'm in the basement, she is upstairs watching Dancing with the Stars, and she won't have anything to do with my geek hobbies or anything. But we will watch Black Panther together. So it's very, very very cool to me. Uh, Although for in terms of a comic book, I wanted to make a recommendation for a a comic in 19, uh, no, 2016, a Black Panther miniseries by the writer Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is actually like a real writer. It's like, wow, this guy's right for the Atlantic. He he, like testified before Congress and everything. And here he is writing Black Panther. Did you just say a real writer? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you caught me right there. <laughs> well, my number two is a writer, so <laughs> I can walk that one back. But I mean, like he's he's made he's like a, a nationally known figure, and he's writing about Afrofuturism, and he's writing about the whole tension of Wakanda. Should you expose, you know, should they be part of the world or not part of the world? A lot of those kind of concepts were brought into the movie, and that's part of what made the movie so good. Because before all that stuff, Black Panther sucked. Like, he sucked. It was a terrible comic. It was a terrible character. I'm sorry. He was fighting Ape Man, which is the most ridiculous thing. (laughs) And they really did a lot to update it. So I got to go with Black Panther. I cannot wait for a 2022. I can't. Ugh, It's a long way. It's so long. (laughs) But at least Doctor Strange is coming out in 2021. So, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Doctor Strange. (laughs) I love that Doctor Strange movie. That That was a great one. It's supposed to go into like a horror direction, I think. The multiverse madness, multiverse in the mad, or madness in the multiverse, or something. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be very curious. Yeah, 
I will see what's going on there. But we are going to get to our number two. Adam, we're going to go back to you. Number two, comic book thing. All right, this is actually going to roll into the MCU discussion as well, which sure. I it's hard for me to pick just one because I love, like, you know, I... I loved Iron Man. They set the stage great. Like the way they handled Guardians of the Galaxy was phenomenal. Like they just did so much stuff right with MCU. But the one thing that stuck with me the most was Captain America: The First Avenger. Yeah. Um, mm. That movie not only was it a really cool movie, I really enjoyed it, but um, it made Captain America like one of my favorite characters because I never read the Avengers when I was growing up. I thought Captain America was a joke. Yeah, they were like, all jokes. Yeah. Thor was a joke. Yeah. Iron Man was a joke. Captain America sucked. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, cool. I was like he's just wearing an American flag. Who cares? He has a shield. Well, who cares? But like <laughs> seeing that movie, I was like, oh my god, this guy nailed it. He just embodies embodies the leader. Like he's just awesome. And yeah. Chris Evans nailed it. But that that pretty much changed my whole uh, thinking about Captain America. And like, that, it's pretty amazing that a movie can do that for me. So that one stood out for me the most and plus it i think that it led to the my favorite mcu movies like uh the winter soldier was great like you know those are great yeah. movies so so uh my number two is kind of a um kind of a package deal uh, because it's tim drake from the dc tim drake robin mm-hmm. but the, the storyline that um it's like a kind of a two-part storyline because because nightfall is what got me into robin like like when i i read a couple pieces of nightfall when i was younger and that's that's my introduction to like the real comic book robin i knew robin from like the tv show and stuff like that and i've always and i liked him in the animated series and stuff but when i finally dug into robin and find out like the, the more about the character i found out who tim drake was through nightfall so that like story arc is still one of my could, favorite of all time could you explain what nightfall is so nightfall is the storyline where um bane breaks batman bruce wayne's back and um uh oh my god i forgot his name asriel um paul what's his name becomes batman um asbats uh uh what's that guy's name paul john paul john paul becomes um what's john paul's last name derek no i don't i, I never read night no. okay is john paul wasn't it like it was like azazel or something uh, his, yeah asriel was his like he became asriel asriel okay oh, yeah. only the other batman i know is what is his name tim mcgrady i think it's called the new oh and then, the yeah yeah, Batman Beyond. Yeah, so Nightfall was like an early '90s comic. Uh, so they introduced Bane. Oh yeah, Jean Paul Valley. Sorry, Jean Paul Valley was uh, he was Tim Drake's buddy, um, and he was operating as a kind of a low level vigilante. But when uh, Bat uh, Robin was kind of training him um, while Batman was overworked because Arkham Asylum blew up, you know, and all the villains escaped. So Nightfall is all about Bat Bruce Wayne just wearing himself ragged. Again, all he goes through every single villain in the rogues gallery he gets a mad hat or the penguin joke or whatever everybody's gay he's going like every day for like weeks to try to get all these uh, villains back behind bars he's like wearing himself out and then bane finally finds bane discovers who batman is breaks into wayne manor breaks his back so batman's in a wheelchair and uh and jean paul becomes a homicidal batman so robin has to kind of keep keep him in check and i just fell in love with the tim drake character through that storyline um and that's mm-hmm. me back to like the whole lonely place of dying where they you know where robin finds out who bruce wayne is and he's like the one robin that actually sought out to be robin like every other robin kind of just fell into it somehow but tim drake was the only robin that ever wanted to become robin so the reason that's like my number two is because that's pretty much the, that whole thing like that character that story arc that everything about that is pretty much why i stayed so invested in comics for like so long because my 
entire life. I've gotten all these different nerd hobbies and stuff, but I've always, always, always been just really into superheroes because of my just weird obsession with Robin. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Nightfall uh, storyline in particular, because it, it goes into that kind of whole Marvel versus DC, like what is really the difference mm-hmm. type thing. And like DC, the, the big storylines tended to be darker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? In and general, I think that's – if, if you have to really encapsulate what the difference is between those two, yeah. like, you know, the Nightfall thing or, you know, Frank Miller did a lot of his more seminal works. Like, The Killing Joke was, you know, in the, the little bit darker. And I was I was like a happy kid. So yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> I mean, if you, <laughs> Seems if, dark. if you critique the writing and just, just the, the pure writing, I, like, I would argue that DC has much more powerfully written books, like, like storylines, collections, mm-hmm. because – they just have more they, – they would depend so much more on their books, their their collection sales. Like they might not have as good media like you know movies and stuff like that. But they have – I think they have much better written books in general. Not to say that Marvel doesn't have those, but I think DC has just a higher quantity of extremely well-written material. Mm-hmm. Well, I, right. I, think, I think before I jump in my number two, I want to say – in this conversation that I love it. I love to talk about this. We can spend many days talking about it. <laughs> but I, I think you describe it perfectly, at least to my uh, to my point of view, Jason, that it was funny when you say you were you were a happy kid because for me is is that, you know, like it's Marvel. I mean, you know, guys, and we talk about this before we start recording and, and you know Jason, you and I we've been uh, texting each other. Um, sure. and you know Brady and Adam too that I'm a and amazing listeners, I always say like I'm a DC guy, you know. I mean, probably haven't read anything, all of it that it is, clearly as Nightfall, for example. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm, I, the thing with Marvel for me is that everything is the same, right? Like the MCU, I mean, I, I know they did a great job and we talk about this, but everything is the same except Infinity Wars, which for me was one of the, it's probably the best movie from the MCU universe because mm-hmm. I really love it and I wasn't expecting the end, right? And I guess it's not a spoiler at this time. I mean, because I'm pretty sure everybody saw uh, saw it, but, you know, when Thanos win at the end, for me, was amazing. You know, it, it was kind of, I had the same feeling like with Darth Vader, you know, like this is a new Darth Vader, you know, like not always the good guys are going to win. And if they're going to win, there's going to be a lot of challenging. And for me, Marvel is even the comics that I have only read a few. Um, they always like very light, very uh, light in the aspect, like every, how to describe it, like very happy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, the, we're the good guys. And, we, yeah, you know that at the end, they're going to defeat the bad guys. And if, the, if, the, or if the good guy dies, he'll be back in 10 comics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so so with this with DC, I feel like everything can go anyway, you know? Like, you you always have that tragic story with, like, Batman, you know, the, 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 the killing of, the, of his parents. That's always super sad. I mean, he's just a little kid. And it happens. And they still do it in every story arc but in a different way and it seems like every every time they do it more mature and more sad and i don't know it's just i i like more that kind of stuff i guess not more realistic because at the end of the day it's not realistic but um you know more more darkish i guess even if i was yeah. happy kid too i want to think that i was happy kid too i mean you know it's always um i guess that's a big difference and this will come to my second recommendation which i will put two comics together uh, because they're both live and they're both mini series, what they call mini series of comics, which um, they are one is uh, both are from DC, but one is called Deceased, uh, which basically is a mini series of six comics that is still alive. I think they're in issue four, or is or by this time probably issue five is already released. But basically, if you like uh, zombies and if you like horror and if you like DC, 
this is a great comic because I, I don't want to spoil you who and how, but characters die like nothing. And <laughs> Three things I do not like. <laughs> yeah. And, and even if you would think that, like, once again, it's not a spoil, I, I, I'm not going to tell you if he's alive or if he's dead already. But even if you think on the back of your mind that Batman is not going to die, uh, you know, uh, Superman is not going to die, Robin is not going to die, think it twice. Once he's again, not, I'm not going to spoil you. <laughs> just think it twice and this is a very immersive comic now this is uh for, from the new category of dc which i love which is the black label i think it's mm. great because for the people that we that we grew up with the hobby and now you know we're in adult life of course we still enjoy the things from the past but we're gonna we're gonna also want to see things that are more according to our ages right so with this new uh, dc black label that they make more mature comics it's great. So one is deceased once again, and the other one, it's also uh, there. It's in books actually. The the first two books already released, and I think they're gonna release the third one very soon. And I don't know if it's gonna be only three books, but it's called The Last Night on Earth, uh, which is by Snyder, um, and if it, it, you know Snyder from the New Fifty Two, and it's great. It's basically once again a post-apocalyptic world uh, where Batman, it's you know just wandering the world like whatever is left from the world. And on the, I think it's not, it's not a big spoiler, but you can see on the port, on the main cover of the first issue that Batman, Batman is walking like in a desert, and he's carrying like a lamp uh, on his right hand, and on the lamp there is the Joker head inside. So he's walking around with the Joker head yes. on his hand inside. Uh, but everything will make sense as long as you are, you as as soon as you start to read the comic. But it's great, it's great. I love Snyder as a writer. I think he does a great job with everything that he does. So that will be my uh, number two, those two recommendations, Deceased and uh, The Last Night on Earth. Uh, Adam and Brady, just to – I'll get to my number two in a second, but it, like to think about that Marvel and DC, like, especially if you're Brady, you're a DC guy. Uh, I, Hour of Need seems like more of an MCU vibe. Am I getting that right? It's, no. <laughs> it's, got, it's got like uh, – it's got what we like about both. It, it's It's – I don't read a ton of Marvel comics, so I don't have a lot of grounding in that. I read a lot of DC stuff, and I have a lot of back uh, history with DC. Um, currently, I'm like probably almost more of a Marvel guy. Currently, I never thought I'd say that, but, but <laughs> Brady, yes, come to the light. Come to the light. Just with the media right now, like the the movies, like just, and I'll get to my number one in a second. You'll see why, but um, just. I think in general, it's it's kind of a combination of both because it's got a lot of what I love about the DC characters and the DC stories, um, and just the tone the DC has. I, I like the kind of detective tone, a lot of investigation, a lot of you mm-hmm. know kind of mystery. Um, Avenge. Uh, I've always seen Marvel as much more just high action, you know, like colorful and which is great. But I just kind of want to have a mix of both, essentially. And I think that it does kind of mix of both because Hour of Need has attack actions and solve actions, so yeah. it kind of kind of encompasses both of those. But I, I mean, I, I would say it's probably going to look more like a Marvel game. Like, you know, visually, it's yeah. going to look Marvel. Mm-hmm. What do you think, okay. Jason, about the two different worlds? Which which world is better? Uh, what do you like from DC? What you don't like from DC? What do you like from Marvel? What do you don't like from Marvel? I mean, I'm happy, so I like Marvel. I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess. I mean, obviously, like when I was a kid, and I think that we're all kind of the same age. You know, you got the big the Death of Superman um, story arc it was like a huge thing, and you know, uh, they got all hands on deck, and you know, all this other stuff. And like I remember reading it, and it was just very kind of 
like, this is a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some of the other stuff, you know, I read like, a couple of things like Lobo and, and and other stuff. Like, you know, it's cool. Like, Lobo was kind of the DC Wolverine, but like, you know, a little bit more murderous and bloody. <laughs> and like, every, like every, it always felt like the DC stuff was like Marvel stuff, but bloodier. And like gorier and you know no more noir. You should, you should and, except yeah. for the except for the Punisher. Read the no. <laughs> yeah, highly, no one reads the Punisher. That guy's lame. I highly recommend the uh just this the solo Robin series. Because it's like it's like it's just high school drama with costumes once in a while. It's just like it's so well it's it's like mm-hmm. it was just just for fun fact for you guys, Robin, the solo sh- the series that started in the early nineties, when that came out, that was the highest selling comic book ever. The Robin the solo yeah. series because it was just like this new thing where it's like oh it's it's like he's like us he's in school he's trying to hide his identity from his parents and he's trying to sneak out have a date with his girlfriend and it just it's hey, I never tried to hide like, my identity from my parents yeah you did you always try to pretend to be me I want to throw a question I I hope I hope you allow me Jason here sure uh, go ahead but I mean I, I need to take advantage of Brady that in Adam that <laughs> here but I know Brady more that he's the the Big into Robin. So back in the days, I wasn't alive because I'm not that old. I'm only 32. But back in the days, everybody we all know the story about when the, from Jim Sterling, the Dead on the Family came out, mm-hmm. um, and they start to make a pool by mail yeah. to decide if Jason Todd should die or not. It was actually it's, it, it's fun because now I don't know if you guys watch the Titans by the DC Universe app, which. <laughs> Yeah. I know it's probably not as good as the Marvel app, but you know it's still good if you like DC. I have it anyway, and I want to I want to get the Marvel, and that way I can probably start to convert to the light side a little bit. But um, <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, so anyway, the people as we know, they vote. They all they didn't like Jason Todd, and the Joker ended up killing Jason Todd. Right. You want to hear so, a funny note about that real quick though? There was uh, historical context there. That was actually uh, a. Uh, uh, rigged vote like some guy they yeah. found out later there was a number that some guy had fixed his phone to call like an auto dial and he he hated Robert jason todd so much he had an auto dial and he dialed in like 300 times for jason no todd. kidding yeah, yeah. So it, was, it was a fluke but i'm really glad they, that it, it happened because they killed him off and he was he was pretty much just a, a dick a dick grayson clone anyway so well. I can't imagine the telephone back in the days that the bill that that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, my question, Brady, will be: Who is the best Robin? The that, do I have to say? Like it, it's easily Tim Drake. I can rank the Robins for you. The rank best, it, yeah. I rank, rank them, yeah. Tim Drake. Uh, I'd have to go with uh, Carrie Kelly just because I like Dick Grayson, but he's Nightwing. So I'd say Tim Drake, Carrie Kelly, uh, Dick Grayson. Um, it pains me to say, but then Jason Todd and Damien Wayne. What's wrong with you, Damien Wayne? I hate Damien Wayne that much. That, and here's why I hate Damien Wayne. It's not because I don't like him as a character or anything like that. I just hate that they just said, hey, here's Batman's son. He automatically has to be Robin. And he's also just kind of a little prick. He's like, oh, I'm a badass assassin. I carry a sword. I, I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I like I like Damien Wayne. What about you, Jason? Who is your favorite Robin? I couldn't care less. Get out of here, Get out of here with your Robin. My favorite Robin is Batman. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I throw that question out. Well, oh my god! Who's, don't who's, ask me that. Who's your favorite Black Panther, Jason? I don't know if there's many Black Panthers or just one. There's a couple of Black Panthers, but I mean, I was like, like I said before, I never really followed the Black Panther uh-huh. ethos uh, because it was lame. Like you know, all like seriously, most Marvel comics, like I read X Men, and and you could tell which ones were the good characters by the ones that Marvel sold when they were bankrupt. 
So they sold X Men, they sold Fantastic Four, uh, which is kind of the the Mendoza line of cool. Uh, they, they it was X Men, Fantastic Four, Spider Man, obviously, uh, and Ghost Rider. So they sold those those properties, and those are the ones that were like the best ones. And they had to like look at their lame other comics and see what can we do with this. And thankfully, they hired Robert Downey Jr. and the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and just made that whole, and actually rebooted the whole thing. Hey, um, let's let's not leave Adam out. Adam, which one is your favorite? I, I was gonna say Spider Man or Batman or whatever you like. <laughs> Derek, I was gonna answer your question for you. Uh, my favorite Robin would probably be whatever Robin was in the animated series. Was that Dick Grayson? No, that, no, no. That 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 was Tim Drake. They called him Dick Grayson because there's some mess up. But they literally, they literally stole Tim Drake's costume. The animated series was Dick Grayson. Right? What's that? I, on the animated series is what. No, yeah, what yeah. I'm just saying the story behind that was they there was a mix up when they were creating that character because they did the the producers did not know that the new the new Robin in the comic books was Tim Drake. They actually named him Dick Grayson, so the character in the show became Dick Grayson, but it was originally Tim Drake because they took his likeness, his bow staff, his costume. Mm. And they, 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 that's all Tim Drake. That's what pissed me off because that kind of confused. Because then when later on, oh, man, you're getting, Brady's it, going into oh, no, deep hole. It is. Into the show, they brought in Tim Drake, and he was like a red. He had like red costume, but they, he was literally had Jason Todd's backstory. It was so stupid. I was so annoyed by that. But yeah. No, well, no. Anyway, that that was the that was the Robin that I liked. I liked the anime. The Batman animated series was kind the of like Batman. Robin. <laughs> yeah, because I just saw the episode when uh, you know on the animated series when uh, they're remembering how the Dick Grayson parents they died on the circus right. and how Bruce Wayne uh, you know took him in. So he was definitely Dick Grayson. No, no. Yeah, it it is in the show. I'm just saying when they originally started that show. They, they 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 when they had the concepts out and everything like that they didn't they didn't realize they were taking the likeness of Tim Drake and applying it to the backstory of, of Dick Grayson until later. Well, I, I have a good question for Jason here regarding DC. Jason, which one is your favorite Batman actor? I know before the show we're talking about oh, the bad okay. nipples and all this right. stuff. So like Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah. uh... <laughs> Remember that George Clooney had the bad credit card. <laughs> oh yeah, he had Charge. the. Well, I was like, that was the Batman. For, uh, Batman and Robin. That was terrible. Yeah. Don't don't leave home without uh, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, to me, like Batman is a vehicle for the bad guys. So you need to ask me who the best Joker is. Well, That's what you need to ask. Ooh, me. I have the question. I have the answer for that on my top one recommendation. I mean, it's clearly Heath Ledger. I mean, I mean, that's there's not even a question. But I'm a Jack Nicholson guy, and I love the I love that representation of him. I, I love the you know shaking hands with the dead body and everything. Um, I, I you know Joaquin Phoenix. I still have to kind of think about that because of the just how dark the movie is. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, and it just kind of like a, I mean, and of course the Mark Hamill representation is just. I mean, I'd probably put that one second actually. Like Mark Hamill's just nailed it every single time. If if you want it to be psychotic, if you want it to be happy, if you want it to be you know just like he just nailed the entire range yeah. of what joker is you know so uh, i'm gonna have to go um i'll have to go ledger hamill uh and then nicholson and then like a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah yeah just for for i mean i know for a fact that we are probably gonna agree that the last place will be for gerald Leto because it was just so it was just so terrible i, I don't, don't know if oh jared Leto, yeah oh yeah terrible my, no, my favorite is uh caesar romero by far really <laughs> <laughs> Now, fun fact that you right. were mentioning, Jason, Mark Hamill, um, I think he has the best Joker laugh. 
Yeah. They were putting yes. a, a poll recently on Facebook or Twitter or something, and he won for the for the best uh, Joker laugh. Which yeah, Mark Hamill does a great job with that. Mm-hmm. So where did we leave off on this list anyway? Number, we... I, I, I am going with my number two. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've done list within list within. We're, we're inceptioning the list over here. Yeah, so uh, I'm on my number two. Uh, it's funny, uh, Adam, that you pointed out about real writer or something like that. Uh, my number two is a writer. Uh, it's Peter David. So uh, Peter David, he did a bunch of stuff all uh, in Marvel and DC, like all the good writers, like uh, Derek mentioned, Jim Starlin, also crossover. Like uh, they all, they all crossed over. Um, Peter David, I particularly like. Um, he did. Uh, he had like a twelve-year run on the Hulk, and the and the, again, the Hulk sucked. It, it, you didn't read that comic. It was just like okay, uh, it was just, okay. He's a, he don't make him mad, and, so, and that's why the movies are terrible because that's the whole conceit is don't make him mad. And that and, movie was no, pretty good. The the MCU one was actually pretty decent. My daughter keeps saying I prefer that actor over the new one. I'm like, yeah, I I think he's pretty good. Which one? Uh, Edward, Ruffalo or Edward, she, Red Norton? She likes Edward Norton better than she's. Oh, seven, oh yeah, Edward Norton was great. Man. Get out of but here! But no, she she loves that movie. It's one of her favorite MCU movies, even though it's not part like they recast it and everything. She just really likes that movie. I don't know what it is about it that really? captures her, but she like that sexy. That sex scene is like, oh, we can't have sex too hard because I'm going to turn it to the Hulk. Like, Come on. <laughs> well, she doesn't get it. that part. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what what Peter David did? He was a very very funny guy. Like he and he also wrote for X Factor. I think he wrote for Aquaman. He's you know they, they basically they would hire him to liven up dead properties. And what he did was he took the Hulk and there was like a bunch of Hulks, right? There was like you know the big dumb Hulk. There was like the Gray Hulk who was like a mobster and all these other kind of like weird things. And he just kind of like turned it into one Hulk that struggled with his personality and then eventually kind of made the big smart. Hulk that puts everything together, which is the Hulk that's actually in Endgame. So, like, you know, he shows up and he's like, oh, hi, I'm the Hulk. <laughs> and I'm really smart and I'm really strong and I can do everything. And, like, so, but that plays out in the, in, in the Peter David comic book so, so well. And he just, he's done a lot of different stuff. Like, I loved his X Factor work and a bunch of other things. So, uh, I'm going to go with Peter David. I don't know if you guys have like a favorite writer in comic. Like, if someone's writing something, you're like, oh, I got to read that, no matter what the property is. Not for me. No, like that nobody or? stands out for me as a the writer for comic books. Is when I was when I read most comic books as a kid. I mainly paid attention to the artwork, like myself, because right. I was into art at the time. Um, and Jim Lee was one of the big ones for me. But uh, yeah, like I've definitely read things I liked, but honestly, I can't remember who I liked the most. You know. I, I, Hot take: Jim Lee was so overrated, so overrated. Oh, good. Man. I just love that X Men cover he did. That's what that's what got me into comics, man. That that uh, fold out one. I forget what the issue that was, but that was X Men one. That was the very yeah. first. Well, the, the rebooted yeah. X Men with Psylocke and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to say Chuck Dixon for me, just because of the historical context. He did a, he did like the pretty much the entire first half, like first. Uh, I forget how long he was in the Robin solo series but he did he's an amazing writer he did a lot of stuff a lot of batman before that but he he pretty much created the tim drake character so i enjoy his stuff for, for me i will have to put three at the same level just really quick jim starling because he made that on the family and he made thanos which is uh, one of the few characters that i really love for marvel uh also mm-hmm. i wouldn't have to i would have to name frank miller of course the killing joke the dark knight returns and more recently, Snyder, the work that he did with the New 52 and now with The Last Night on Earth. And I think he's releasing, uh, or he just released a Superman uh, book from the year one or something. 
Um, you know, Frank Miller, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Snyder, he, I think he, not the director, not the movie director, the, the writer, the comic writer. I, I really hope you don't mean the director. Yeah, he yeah. is a disaster. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, Scott, the, the, the Watchmen Snyder, is very good. That's the writer, is Scott Snyder, right? Yeah, Scott Snyder, yeah, yeah Scott Snyder. Uh, so anyway, those are my top three at the same level, and, you know, uh, I just hope I can I can keep reading more from them, you know, I, I, especially Jim Starlin. I mean, he he's great. So, yeah, those are my favorite three. All right, Adam, let's go to your number one comic book fang. So my number one might seem a little silly compared to all the comic book stuff that's available out there, but it's actually very important in my childhood because it pretty much mm. got me into comics and superheroes was the uh, 1990s X-Men cartoon. That yes. was huge yeah. for me as a kid. <laughs> I actually, mm-hmm. the ringtone on my phone is the theme song, so I hear it all the time when Brady calls me like seven times a day talking about game stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that cartoon was, and plus Cyclops is like one of my favorite heroes um, from, because of that show and that his awesome 90s costume. It's like one of the best superhero costumes ever. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and anybody who sees the Jim and Ice cover might see uh, influence for Ice's character, definitely taken from... Oh, from uh, Cyclops. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. No, my my number one. Um, just to preface this, um, I'm not a hype machine. I don't. I don't just like lash onto the hype. The current hype. This is monumental to me. It just happens to be recent. Um, my number one is by far the most important comic book thing to me is this new FFG Marvel Champions game. Yeah. I am completely one hundred percent like over the moon obsessed with this game right now. And I'm pretty sure it's going to stay that way for a long time. It's I can be like the game I've wanted for so, so long. And I'm so excited to actually have a copy now. And I've just been playing it nonstop. So it's got to be just by far number one, even above Robin, Derek, it's above Robin. So <laughs> I, I can vouch, I can vouch for that for the, I can post some text messages and G chats that I get from him on a daily basis. Uh, talking about that game. It's like, uh, Per- plays solo perfectly. It's like they've taken everything about the LCGs that I loved from like Lord of the Rings and Arkham, and and they they put superheroes and they did everything right. And it just I'm I'm I cannot praise this game enough. It's it's the best game I've ever played by far. What? Yeah, no, one hundred. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even afraid to say wow. that without any like well questions all right now. I just I'm I'm certain about it. Brady, Brady should always give a caveat that he never wants anybody to take his opinion as right, a yeah, re- recommendation. <laughs> I'm not saying, not saying it's the best game that anybody's going to play. I'm just saying that this is the best game I've played for what I want. It's 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 pretty much designed for me. Like it's, I, right. I think the, the guys were like, we got to make a game that Brady Sadler is going to lose his mind over and feel like he needs to give up game design. And I was <laughs> I will say it is by far FFG's best LCG. Like uh, I enjoy it thoroughly. I re- it's a great game. I look forward to playing more of it. Um, uh, I haven't reached that obsession level that Brady has yet. But I, I mean, I, I don't well, have anything wrong with it at all. It's great. Oh yeah. The funny thing is, is uh, if it wasn't for we took a trip to FFG last week because we were we were doing a game for them right now, so we were submitting our our first uh, our first iteration of it to them. Um, and they let us play it, and they gave us some beta cards. So I managed to play it. So if I hadn't done that, like this probably wouldn't be on the list. This happened this suddenly, but I've been like playing it nonstop, like probably forty times in the last like five or six days. I've just nonstop play game after game of it. And, I'm, and there's only three villains to fight in the, in the core game. It's a pretty limited, you know, content in there. But I just can't get sick of Man. it. You're 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 pushing this game harder than Hour of Need. <laughs> I know. I was going to say like I think the best game that. You have played so far. It should be our. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Well, people people make a joke about that too online, and like I should. I always have to like ca- caveat it, saying like no matter even if 
like let's say let's say Hour of Need is the best game I've ever played. Even if it was on like it was like here's Marvel Champions, here's Hour of Need. They're both they're both amazing games. Champions is going to get the leg up because I didn't work on it. Like if it's a game I don't have to work on and I get to just play as a as a game, then it's going to win out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. As much fun as we have with our own games, it's always different to be able to, as a consumer be able to experience something fresh um, and and get a different perspective on a game. Like it's always it's always going to win over. Like you know, our favorite games are always going to be games we don't work on, but we always love playing our games. It's just yeah, that, that's part of that's part of the obsession is because like. It's not very often I get to be just a straight fan, you know, like I'm just a fanboy of or something because there's a lot of games I'll play and I just look at it from a professional level. Like, oh, you know, this works, this works, I like this part, but I can just be a fan on, on this game. I can just fanboy over it and it's mm-hmm. it's great. Well, I'm glad nice. to hear that because I I pre-order every single thing. I pre-order the base game, I pre-order the <laughs> Captain America expansion, the Green Goblin expansion, the big mat for the locations and all this stuff. And even if I'm not a Marvel guy, I did it because my wife, she loves Marvel, and we play a lot together, the Arkham Horror, the LCG, we play a lot to uh, play your games together, and since she likes that kind of story, like campaign and all the stuff, um, you know, and now Marvel, I was like, well, I'm going to get everything, but I'm very happy to hear that from you, Brady, because that really increases my hype and my... Uh, you know, need for the game right now, which I hate you because you already have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all, right. all right, Brady, you've taken the joke far enough. All right, tell Derek how horrible the game is so he can cancel his pre order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Go to bed, like, all right. <laughs> I've, got, I've got FFG's pre orders unlocked for Derek. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I'm looking forward for that game too. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you're going to love it, Jason. This is your, your, your theme, no? It's Marvel. I'll, yeah, I'm going to love it. It's not even good. Yeah, so, <laughs> it, it plays. The solo is so good. It's such a good solo game. So, am I, I'm going to like it, Brady, even if I don't like too much Marvel? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, that's It'll what, make you like Marvel. That's what's weird. Oh, yeah. like, like I always say, do, Brady, do you prefer one player or do you prefer a team up? Uh, well, Adam and I played today. I, I definitely prefer playing two player, but it, because I don't want to two hand things, I love that it's solo as well. Because like, I want to play it nonstop, so I have to play it alone right. sometimes. So, um, so I definitely prefer. Well, I definitely prefer it two player, but not playing two heroes myself. You know, two handed guy. I think it's. I think it's. It's a tough call because it play. There's nothing wrong with solo at all. Because in in Lord of the Rings and sometimes in Arkham, solo does feel sometimes a little off or like not as compelling. But I haven't had that at all with Marvel. If it, it plays. It's so so smooth solo. Cool. All right, Derek, what's your number one comic book thing? Well, my number one, and before I mention it, I want to say something really quick. I'm the kind of person also that I don't like to go for the hype. Sometimes I, I fear I have that uh, famous FOMO in board games like Fear of Missing Out. But mainly in other things, I don't go with the hype. I usually like like very unique things, like go go with minorities and things like that. That that's me basically. And you know, besides board games, um, so I want to say that for the last two years, or probably a little bit more, since they announced uh, Joaquin Phoenix as the new Joker, even before the production began, I was so excited for the Joker movie because I was expecting uh, a huge uh, thing especially coming from Joaquin Phoenix, which I love all his movies, all the way back to Gladiator, to The Village mm-hmm. from M. Night Shyamalan, Signs with Mel Gibson. You know, I can keep uh, mentioning uh, her also. I keep, I keep mentioning... Uh, walk the line. <laughs> That's right. Walk the line was the best. Well, oh, there walk, it is. I, yeah, I mean, 
I, I, you know, as, as you guys that you are musicians, you know, I also like music a lot, you know, that I have my vinyls. I play the guitar very bad, but I play the guitar. I play the drums very bad, but I play the drums. I play the piano too, very bad as well, but I enjoy it <laughs> still. I mean, you know, so music is a big part of me too. And, and Johnny Cash was great. But anyway, Joaquin Phoenix, everything he does, I think is great. And since they announced him, I know now everybody's a, a, a movie critic and everybody on the hype on the Joker, everybody jumps in the wagon and everybody loves Joker now and everybody's making a big deal. But back when they announced it, I think people, they weren't very excited and no, not a lot of people were paying attention to that because it was announced at the same time of Infinity Wars and all the stuff. But anyway, I was really expecting, it was from two years, like I mentioned, really expecting for this movie to be released. Uh, I was there the Thursday at 9 p.m., uh, you know, the night that it was released. Uh, just because I didn't want to see any spoiler on Facebook or anything like that. I watched the trailer, the trailers over and over and over before the movie came out. I was looking for the music. And for me, it was a big thing because it was going to be either a very, very bad movie for me or it was going to be a masterpiece. Literally like a masterpiece, like a top five favorite movies of all time. Same level as for me of 2001 Space Odyssey, things like that. And... I went to see, I went to a movie theater with my wife, and since the beginning to the last minute of the movie, to the last second, I have no doubt that it's a masterpiece, at least for me. So I highly recommend The Joker. For me, there's no doubt, for me, one second, and this is very subjective, that Joaquin Phoenix is the best Joker there is. Then Heath Ledger, then Jack Nicholson, and all the stuff. But it's an amazing production. It's a great movie, great story. It's made by Todd Phillips, as all of you know. But you can you can fantasize that it's a Frank Miller comic or a Snyder or something like that, if you are into comics, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the movie is very well done. The character is very well developed. You feel empathy with the character. You feel a lot of emotions with the character. Um, you feel connected to the character. And I just hope that... You know, very fun and entertaining movies like the Marvel uh, MC Universe keeps going. Like now within the next 10 years, uh, it's good to have those for me to have those kinds of movies. But I also hope that people or productions or, um, you know, directors start to make more kind of, let's name it, realistic mature movies like Logan, like Joker, things like that. Like, OK, we have the entertaining part, but now we have the the more mature, realistic part. Like once again, jo- Logan and the Joker Joker, I highly recommend it. If you haven't had a chance to go to the movie theater, go and experience it in a movie theater. Um, you won't regret. I mean, if you're a comic fan, even if it's not based on any comic, you will find a lot of Easter eggs during the movie. You probably will like his performance. Like I said, I love the movie. Even if you take the Joker character away and just name it, I don't know, uh, let's say the movie's called Joaquin instead of joker right i mean you still it's it's still it's still a very good movie so that would be my recommendation the joker i think this this is gonna set um a precedent for warner and for dc to make better movies i i hope that this is gonna help matt reeves to make a better trilogy of the batman and and try to bring something different which I heard so far that the plot is going to be completely different and it's, it sounds very great. Uh, but, um, you know, that's my recommendation. Go and watch The Joker. You won't regret. I know that Brady and Adam, you haven't seen it. I know that Jason, you haven't seen it. But please, please go. Go, believe me. And, and 
And I would love to hear your thoughts once you see the movie because um, I, I just love it. I, I, I'm definitely going to buy it and going to watch it over and over. And and I think it's great. It's great. And Joaquin deserves the, the Oscar. It's not going to happen. I'm too happy a guy. <laughs> I like my good mood. Jason, yeah. don't, don't make me fly to. You're in Florida, right? <laughs> Where you are, Jason? Located in Florida or New York? Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. You see, I'm, I was wrong. And don't make me fly to Connecticut just to take you, man. To <laughs> movie theater because it's a very. You need to watch it. You need to promise me that you're going to watch it. I'm sure to watch. I'm sure I'll watch it eventually. I watch all the movies. When are you going to watch it? <laughs> Next Thursday. Oh my God. <laughs> Holy crap. Listen, <laughs> after the podcast, you can schedule that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we're going to have a podcast about the Joker, Jason, next week. So I hope you watch. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> anyway, so that's my number one recommendation, Joker. Joker, it's, it's, go and watch it. You will, you will like it. All right. So uh, my recommendation is actually another bad guy. It is a, uh, you know, the bad guys are the most, are the most fun. They always are. Uh, and, uh, Derek gave you the DC side. I'm going to give you the Marvel side. My favorite character is Thanos. Great. It is, like but 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 it has to be the Jim Starlin Thanos. Oh yeah. So like it was okay. So Thanos has like this kind of weird fraught history as Jim Starlin does. So Jim Starlin started it. Well, he's he's a Mar- he was a Marvel guy. Put Thanos in Iron Man of all things. It's like all right, here's Iron Man. He, uh, here's this. Here's Thanos. He's a guy look, that kind of looks like Dark Side uh, from DC. It's like all right, here he is. And but he didn't ever get a chance to develop the character. So then Jim Starlin, he bounces over to DC and he's doing his own thing. And Thanos gets cycled through. Like, in, like at one point, he was like a Spider-Man villain robbing banks and flying a helicopter with Thanos labeled on the side. And <laughs> like, what is happening? This is like stupid. Then he comes, he settles back in. He He's riding for the Silver Surfer. And that's when Thanos just became like, it was right at the age. I was 15 years old and, you know, I was into like, philosophy and you know nihilism and like you know just like interested in this stuff and thanos kind of hit all those buttons he's a philosopher like he's thinking about life and death he's thinking about cosmos and all this other stuff and he's trying to he's trying to bang death right like that's his goal yeah (laughs) he's in love with death (laughs) lady death is his big uh his mistress (laughs) yeah it was it was it was a psychological thing of you know he loves her and then you know he's doing it for her and death is like you know don't do it for me do it because uh, you're doing it to try to get my affection. You're not doing it because you really believe in what I believe in, and so I reject you. Like it's pathetic. Like if you read the Infinity Gauntlet comic, which is which is my number one, love the Infinity Gauntlet comic. Like Thanos is like on his knees, pleading, begging, <laughs> <laughs> please, baby, give me one more chance. <laughs> so that it is that so book, good. That, can you find that book on the app, uh, Adam? Infinity Gauntlet. I have a copy if you want to borrow it. (laughs) Oh no question. Oh yeah, I I will definitely borrow it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the greatest selling comics of all time. That initial Infinity Gauntlet crossover, built up to by two graphic novels called the Thanos Quest, where he's getting the gems. Mm And then, of course, it's Marvel, so it just kills the Golden Goose and it has to release the Infinity War and the Infinity Crusade yeah. and the Infinity Affair and the Infinity blah, 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 blah. And it became lame. And then Jim Starlin left. And, like, they've rebooted Thanos throughout the years. So, like, he had a storyline called Annihilation and he had a couple other storylines. Never as good as when he was in the original creator's hands. Thanos is my guy. I have the Thanos Quest Infinity game that one that's not that great but it has a big thanos mini so i have to have it oh the so uh, just... the, the thanos rising game yeah, yeah. thanos rising oh, it's not one, that great a game but it has a thanos the, mini the op right it's made by the us Apple. yeah yeah 
Yeah, I actually had fun with that one. It's not too bad. I mean, it's just, you know, rolling dice and moving Thanos around. But, I mean... It's too it's too long. It, it, it's about a, it's like a ten minute yeah. to fifteen minute right in the middle where nothing really happens. Yeah. It's like eh, whatever. I need that game to be a little bit snappier. But yeah, Thanos is my number one, and that was a lot of comic book talk. <laughs> it was <laughs> lists within lists within lists, uh, and that was a lot of talk, a lot of comic book talking. But I want to give Adam and Brady the last word. Um, tell us, you know, just wrap it up. Talk about the what, what you're excited about with the new Kickstarter that's coming out next month. Uh, we're releasing in October. The Kickstarter is landing on November number fifth. Uh, no, number fifth, yeah, yep. No, right. I'll just say, so, yeah. yeah, I'll just say it's it's. I probably, I mean, we always say that we're the most excited about this game. It's the most exciting game yet, but this is something we've been building up to for a while because, like, I've I've always wanted to do comic books, uh, superheroes, like most of our lives. You know, we grew up in art. We did a lot of uh, sketching, and we drew our own comics and made our own characters when we were kids. And this is kind of like the culmination of, of all that stuff. So, just happy to share these characters with everybody, and hoping uh, everyone checks out the game. And and yeah, we're just super excited about it. Yeah, like usual, the the newest game we do is is our it's our best game yet. Like you know, this one I feel very strongly about that. It's it's the most our most access, accessible version of the MDS. It is a different game than everything else we've done, um, but uh, it is it's it's our best. It's really fun. Can't wait to have more people play it. And never say never, but it might be uh, our last like a new core MDS system for a while at least. So, mm, cause we have some other, okay. other designs in the pipes that aren't MDS games. So, uh, this will be kind of our hopefully pinnacle of that. So cool. So that was Adam and Brady Sadler for another, for two hours. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they get longer and longer. <laughs> uh, we had, we had you with Mike Delisio. We had you with Liz Davidson. We had you with, uh, Oh man, there's somebody else. Uh, some uh, other guy. I don't remember his name. He's kind of like a new guy. He just, uh, uh, starts, starts with D or something, or yeah, I, oh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know who you're talking about, man. <laughs> that guy, he's very, there he is. He's that, he's that guy that caused you guys to lose on the fourth turn of your. No, no, he's such a weird guy that he also has a, a podcast for solo games. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> oh, what's a, you're never gonna get off the ground with a podcast about solo games. No, Trust me. No, no, I mean, I mean, who, who does that? Who first of all, who plays solo? <laughs> Who makes a podcast to talk about solo games? I mean, that's so lame, you know. Like, get get a, get a life, man. Like, you know, that's brave. Though. That's bravery right there. <laughs> there it is. Of course, we are talking about Derek Rodriguez. Go ahead and subscribe to his channel over at Solo BG. Uh, Derek, thank you for coming on the show. Do not be a stranger. No, no, no. You know what, Jason? Thank you for for the for inviting me once again. I need to say, I mean, you you had the idea, and I really thank you for reaching out for inviting me. Like you said, I hope this is the the first of many. Um, as you are listening, probably, uh, if you're listening to this through Solo BG Podcast, well, I'm publishing this also on the Solo BG Podcast. Uh, uh, if you want to reach me out, please uh, do. You can follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Solo BG Podcast. If you want to be an old school and shoot me an email, you can do it at Solo BG Podcast at gmail.com. And please, I'm going to ask you two things. First one. Please subscribe to Every Night is Game Night if you're listening this through my po- through the uh, podcast of Solo BG. Uh, follow also Every Night Every Night is Game Night on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Jason is very uh, active over there. I don't know if you're on Instagram, Jason, but if you do, check also uh, Every Night is Game Night on, on Instagram. And uh, no, no, I have a limit when it comes to this. 
<laughs> social media stuff. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Instagram, Reddit, Snapchat, that is beyond the bell. Okay, well, just look for Jason in Every Night is Game Night. Uh, please listen to previous episodes. They're very fun to hear. Jason, uh, you're doing a great job. Please doing it. And I'm looking forward to do uh, more podcasts with you. And the second thing that I want to say, uh, you know, the I play the Hour of Need. Um, I really had a fun with Brady. You know, they're such a cool guys, Adam, Adam and Brady. Um, you know, I, I like to consider them and call them my friends. But that, that has nothing to do with what I'm going to tell you. The game, the Hour of Need, it has the three filters that, as you know, I always apply in games. I like games that are challenging. I like games that are thematic. And I like games that they have replayability. I only play test this game uh, two or three times, if I don't remember incorrectly. But I can tell with what I play test that the game has those three things. Challenging, replayability, and of course, thematic and immersive. And even better in, in superhero theme. So this is a must back. I'm back in this game. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. Once again, you can do whatever you want with your money. But if I were you, I will also back this game. Because every time, like I mentioned at the beginning, when you see the Sadler last name on a game, and not because I want to uh, kiss anybody butts, because I don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's a guarantee of a good game. So don't be afraid. Back it. Support the the local designers. Support the European designers, Chinese designers, Mexican designers. Support them as well. That's it. Uh, you know, I think it's important to do that. I hope Kickstarter never ends because it has opened the door and window for uh, more content, uh, more creativity, more people. At the end of the day, more people work. Uh, more people passion so that's great and once again Jason thank you so much for having me amazing listeners until next time from uh, uh, Every Night is Game Night and until next time from Solo BG Podcast